Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is it. This, this is, is it. it, chat. Cheers. We are at the final part, the 10th part of our series, where we've gone through our 100 favorite films. Unbelievable. Like, it's hard to believe we've actually gotten to this point, right? Like, uh, <clears throat> I was actually, you know, doing the podcast the other night, and um, it was James who was saying, like, I can't, he was like, I can't even imagine doing a list of 100. I just couldn't do it, you know? And he was just yeah. like, like, as in he couldn't Blown pull away. 100 movies or he couldn't sort them or in what I way? I think probably the sorting. The sorting, dude. Yeah. yeah. The sorting. Um, even just like the categorizing, like when you start comparing and then saying, okay, what's – because then you really start to get into the deep dive about yourself. You exactly. Know? Exactly. That's And I, I, kept, I kept saying this every single week. Uh, throughout the whole series is like it, it turned into like a soul searching thing yeah. it's just like it's like uh why do i like these movies and what do they represent because i mean ultimately it doesn't really matter i mean you just pick 100 movies that you really like and as far as i'm concerned like the top 10 even you can put them in any order and they're it's just where we're so far down but yeah it's just like you you learn a lot about yourself like you said you're just like i really like for the longest time you know if you asked me back to the future was number two and it just wasn't gonna move and then, you know, I, I moved shit around or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. It really kind of puts everything in perspective in your film mm -hmm. viewing life in history. You know, that's uh, true. Yeah. Time. If you if you haven't seen any of the other parts and you happen to just stumble upon this last bit, that's cool. But like a lot of it, a lot of our discussions and tangents and stuff. Uh, tend to be about our experiences with these movies like the first time we saw them and why because again we're not necessarily ranking the top 100 best movies ever made we are ranking the ones that we love certainly i'm not ranking the best movies ever made <laughs> but the ones that i have like a really strong stylistic or emotional connection to and then we almost always go into detail about that stuff so mm -hmm. it's it's been really fun totally um all right Let's do it. Let's get started. So yeah, let's just do it. We're gonna try to keep it under four hours, but uh, you know, yes. we'll we'll see. So let's we'll go. See what happens. So uh, I'm gonna start off. So my number ten is The General from 1926, directed by Buster Keaton. Okay. So all right. This this film. Uh, I'm a really big fan of Keaton. Mm -hmm. um, I really really like like it's it's really crazy what he did in his films. Um, and his kind of comedy was like physical comedy, but like with massive objects pretty much i mean if you could if you could sort of summarize it yeah uh and so you know he did this stunt in a short film where a house fell on him yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> and like literally i i wonder if that came before the cartoons of that i'm i'm really curious what came first i almost believe that he did that before cartoons then did basically the equivalent of the guys the house falls on the guy but he doesn't die because yeah he fell through the window yeah, I remember reading about this. Um, I'm pretty sure he probably did it first, but I don't know. Yeah, yet. yeah, and he just did other stuff uh, in the Navigator. He did this scene where he goes underwater in like that 1920s water suit and almost died. Uh, you know, uh, there's this one short film he did where literally they put a house on like a, some kind of mechanism to spin it. So he's right. in this house that's spinning. Right. Just all this stuff that's crazy. And to me, the general is like it's the best of all the films that he's done. I think it's probably my favorite silent film. And pretty much the setup of this is it's a civil war. He's playing a union soldier or whatever. And there's this train that they're trying to get 
to somewhere just to give some information or something like that. So basically, it's just Buster Keaton in a train. Plus some, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, comed- that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is this plus, the one where they go um, like the, the the there's like a bridge scene or whatever in the train? Yes. There's okay, a, I, they I, blow I, up a bridge. They uh, blow up a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that. I saw something they were saying it was like one of the most expensive shots of the silent era. Wow. Um, the only thing that was more expensive was like, I think it was like a tolerance or something like that. There's some crazy ass shit that they did back in the day where they, they got a massive tank mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. built a massive like set and then they flooded, they flooded the set and people literally died. <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah. Cause they did it for real. They were crazy and there was no regulations or, right. or anything. No. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's do the shot where it's supposed to be like Babylon being destroyed and like, you know, sure. let's flood the thing. And it's like, oh, shit, people died. Oh, well, we'll give them, you know, 50 bucks in <laughs> insurance or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this this movie is like it's so epic and it's so amazing what it's him, literally him in a train. And he's doing all these like hilarious stunts and stuff uh, like there's one really famous one where he's like like he's on the train. He's on the front of the train and there's basically sort of almost like a booby trap or something on the on the uh on the road on the train tracks and so he's like taking these massive logs and like knocking off these other logs that would then derail the train i've seen this yeah 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 and and it's just it's you're like this is crazy that he did all this stuff with with not just like you know see a fall or you see someone like you know it's Mm -hmm. him in a train like this this and um editing and special effects, you know, not even what they would have been, not even what they were in 1936, let alone 1926, right? So, like, a lot of it is in camera is what I'm trying to say. And it is, uh, is a, we talk about this all the time, actually. We talk about the late 20s or, like, mid to late yes. 20s being just, like, kind of it. Like, whatever insane people that were doing these movies, they kind of have figured out all of their, all of the different techniques and then we've just kind of been iterating and just polishing up the same type of shit. But I feel like they really figured it out. And I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like this one, because, you know, like Metropolis and um, I, another one that comes to mind is uh, Sunrise, The Tale of Two Humans. The stuff uh, that Murnau did where he's just like doing hella stuff with, you know, the most advanced of the time processes that's basically the equivalent of special effects that we have today where they're doing you know uh forced perspective and then there's all these different mirror techniques and camera techniques the general uh almost feels like you know once they understood like oh we can do these feature film you know two hour length film that it's going to keep people enticed yeah we don't have to do like five minute bits you know like the tiktok version of the 20s yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Once it was like, once that stuff subsided, it was like, okay, how can we pull together a narrative? And this is like, I feel like the perfect story because this is kind of based on a real thing. There was this uh, locomotive that was like sort of going through the South and needed to transfer some information. And so he was like, oh, I can use this story, but then be funny and be crazy and like still have all this stuff. And yeah, there's there's a lot of like, this is a really good Civil War film, actually. Like there's a lot of, there's a battle scene at the end um and you know this typical comedic it's it's a love story it's him trying to go after this girl you know and he's got to go and find her and do all this stuff uh but i just felt like on every level this film is just so amazing the scale of it like the fact that they do all this stuff with real trains and it's just the special effect is buster keaton it's him doing this stuff and you're like what 
and there's like the tracking shots of him like like uh like i think there's a part where like the end of the train something happens at the end of the train so he has to run to the back of the train and it's just a tracking shot seeing him go to the back of the train do something and then go back to the front of the train to, to like put more yeah. s- stuff into the locomotive so it keeps going and it's just you're just like wow like someone put in all the work to do this thing yeah i like that i like the 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 i like that idea that like uh, you know the the special effect is just the guy <laughs> you just have a guy who's so committed to doing this thing and like it, it's it sounds like slight psychopathy like it doesn't like normally like you wouldn't do this kind of a thing they're just like uh i don't know uh, circus freaks <laughs> almost doing doing these things in front of and just setting up cameras and whatever it was a wild west dude of, of it movies. Absolutely. it really was yeah, because yeah, there were just no rules and no one really no. knew and no one felt, you know, and this is the thing like we talked about before, like most silent films of this era were destroyed all this yeah. history uh, because they just didn't they didn't think it was art. They thought it was like, oh, hey, look, and there's so much stuff that we've lost, um, you know, especially stuff that wasn't really well regarded, but would have to, to us today would have been like a, an amazing oh, artifact. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um but just to me, that makes this stuff even more valuable. Like this, this is it. You know, this is this is what this is the history of cinema. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And you know, I love. I you know, I love that a good redemption story of like, uh, what movie did we talk about? Was it uh, the Napoleon movie that they kept just like they, they just kept digging for it? They just kept trying to find all the different pieces and put it together. I mean, Metropolis is like a, a classic kind of a story because like I don't even think I don't think that's complete to this day. It's just as complete as it'll ever be. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great sadness, but also when you have a movie like this that just exists, that you can just watch and just be kind of blown away by the kind of talent that went into it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a really big fan of Keaton. I think that like his, because like there's a real sort of, it's almost like if 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 there was a comedy version of like James Cameron's, like how can I just do the biggest crazy mm. shit? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like he was. Uh, that's how he thought. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me do the big crazy shit. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what his films were. And the general is like the ultimate version of his film. You know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nicely, nicely put. Yeah. So yeah, that's my number ten. The general. Uh, Holy shit. From all right cool well my turn i guess um mm-hmm. i feel like half of my top 10 we already talked about but like we'll talk about it because it, it, like it's popped up i think most some most of them have popped up on your list already but uh mine i just skew a little higher uh so what i'm going to do for the last 10 is i'll just read like a quote or like a line from the movie and then you'll you'll know what it is so number 10 we open our bibles to, to uh, the book of scorsese uh 90 verse one as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster <laughs> Hell yeah. uh, number number 10 is goodfellas and uh, we already talked about goodfellas why do i love goodfellas it's this is one of those movies that's like impossible not to love i don't know anybody who like hates this movie uh or you cannot like it you cannot like parts about it but like from a pure entertainment because like you know, people, the, the, they philosophize and they go back and forth about like, what is the purpose of film? It's like, oh, no, it's it's an art thing and it's to, to evoke emotions or it's to do this or it's just purely to be entertainment and nothing else. And then we scrap the film and nobody ever sees it again. Like, what is it? Um, I feel like Goodfellas is just a little bit of like 
all of those things, but primarily it is just that's the one that I can point to and say, like, this is just pure fucking entertainment, dude. This is just so entertaining. It's very hard to put on a scene from Goodfellas and not like watch the rest of the movie. We talk about some of these like TV all stars or whatever. This is absolutely one of those movies. Um, it's like what? It's like a three hour movie almost. Uh, and this is just this is the kind of the the Martin Scorsese version, like two or three point kind of. Uh, because then he just keeps he kind of he has like bits in his career that like kind of make you think that this is the kind of movie that he would make. And then ev- like everybody's just been trying to like this movie came out in 1990. Every other movie about gangsters in 1990 is because of this movie. Like everyone just tries to do this movie. And, um, you know, we talked about like Carlito's Way, for example, like you can make that movie like people have been making Goodfellas again and again and again. You know, there's been other attempts. There's been all the Gotti movies and fucking Donnie Brasco and like all these other things. And they're fine. But the the craft, I feel like the Scorsese kind of um, all of the film history brings to it. The music, the, the again, the editing uh, this movie. I mean, I don't have to really sell it, but. Uh, it is just, I, in my opinion, so well crafted. It is commercial. It is pop. It is kind of, it's still kind of recent. Uh, but within the kind of space it occupies and like film history, like I so, it's just, it's very hard to find a more entertaining film than Goodfellas. I think totally. It's it's a clear masterpiece. It's definitely my favorite of his films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's yeah. just like such a strong. It just it's just like pulls you in so it just feels like yeah it just feels like he's had like all all of his he just comes out with dick swinging you know like all of his talents kind of just like fuck it like there's no more restraint anymore we're gonna say fuck every other second we're gonna smash people's heads in it's funny i was just watching uh last night i was watching an interview with scorsese and de palma from 1978 because i just get go down the rabbit hole sometimes and uh they were talking this is 1978 the, the the interviewers are always like they're obsessed with De Palma. They're like, why are you, everything with you is about stabbings and blood? And he's like, my father was a surgeon, and like I watched a lot of certain like all I see is red basically. And Scorsese is like very reserved in the seventies. He's like, no, no, I can't see blood. I can't do it. I can't look at it. And I feel like this is the movie where he just like he just becomes the kind of pufferfish version, the happy, talkative, uh, extroverted Martin Scorsese. Where like, ah, shoot, fuck it, I'll show you the cocaine. I'll show you everything. Um, and it's just so fun. Uh, and I mean, yeah, you know, it's good fellas. <laughs> yeah, we do get everything. Like there's just so many great like moments, um, you know, when they go to Florida and they're going to feed the dude to the yeah. lions, like yeah. it's just hilarious. Um, yeah. it's another one. So like, uh, <clears throat> you know, like the whole thing at the end when, uh, Joe Pesci gets killed and like, yeah, you know, he's going to be a made man. Yeah. And then they just, they just like, boom, shoot him in the back of the head. Yeah. I mean, there's there and and um, like film techniques, right? Like the long, the long tracking shot going into the club, the um, the Zolly in the diner with De Niro and, and Ray Liotta. That uh, the way that he shoots that one scene with uh, De Niro and the Rain Bracco, where he's like telling her like down the out, like go just go down, just, just yeah, go go, go yeah, come on, come on. so yeah it's it's uh, everything just executed at like the absolute highest heights uh and again he's kind of been making this movie over and over again you know it's it's the it's the structure it's the i'll show you a guy like a point in his life and then i'll go through his entire life story kind of a Mm -hmm. thing he did casino again and then he did aviator he did gangs of new york he did fucking yeah, the Irishman. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, the Irishman. Yeah. The Irishman is kind of like, you know, the the, the kind of trilogy, Casino, Goodfellas, mm-hmm. Irishman. But yeah, 
Um, the, but this is the blueprint for like all of it. So that's it why. Really, yeah. yeah, the way even even sort of on some levels, uh, even like the departed. Uh, just like the way yeah, that he sure. like yeah, yeah. uses the the pop music and the, mu- exactly, the yeah. violence and like but like the editing and but it's really and funny. The, the yeah, the pace is going. It's just he just makes sometimes when he's not trying to make an art film or like a personal film or something, which they're all personal, obviously when you're you know you're a director. But like he just makes entertaining movies. Like there's yeah, no other way. Totally. Like he can make a three and a half hour movie and it just it flies just flies absolutely yeah yeah because that's you know this thing is just like flies so fast every Um, time i watch this movie i i I do it in one sitting like i don't even pause like it doesn't even feel like i need to take a break or anything it just the pacing is so good it's so consistent yeah it's so good and i love you know they really do a great job of like whoever like the person who figures out all the music they're gonna do for these movies because in all the ones we talked about they always fucking nail it they yeah. always absolutely destroy it. Um, I, think, I think he has a he has a large say in it. He has a he, he I, from what I from like interviews and shit that I've read. It just like he thinks about because he's the other thing about Scorsese is like you have to remember like he's an old guy like he's lived through a lot of these time periods that he makes movies about. Like he yeah. was at Woodstock. He was like assistant to, to like some director, like some guy who was shooting like band footage at Woodstock '69. So like he's he's been around. Like he's 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 lived through these periods. So he's able to you know. He selects the very specific music. He selects the kind of film stock he wants to use to kind of represent that period. Like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, it's just like in that scene where they decide they're gonna kill the guy, uh, and then the music plays when he like looks. He, yeah, like, like Daenerys just has his look, and it's just that's that's purely cinematic, man. Like yeah, there's that's true. There's some things like like that says everything without saying anything. Yeah, like we totally get it. We're like, oh, okay, this was that moment when he was like. Fucking, let's kill him. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And another thing, another thing that's interesting is that Scorsese does the the voiceover narration thing that everybody in in every film school says you never do voiceover narration. It's the, the most contrived, easy, shitty thing to do. And it's like he has the balance between the narration is entertaining, but then when we get to the sh- to those cinematic shots, that he knows when he doesn't need it. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this when we talked about Pulp Fiction. Like, what's the main rule of any filmmaking? Is just don't be boring, and don't just like boring. any anything that's that sticks. Because like like that line you read, that was a voiceover and sticks. Right, but um, but but it's a voiceover. But how is it implemented? It's the you know we get a, like a, a shot of, frame, our, right? of our guy freeze frame. Yeah, like we're in kind of like what the fuck is going on? Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, and that's like that that's like opens up the the film, right? It's like. We see this guy, they're in the car, blah, blah, blah. Like, what the fuck's that sound? Yeah, right. There's a human being in our trunk and let's kill him. (laughs) And he's just like, yeah, I love this life, you know? Yeah, it's the best of life for me. (laughs) So, yeah, that's my number 10, Goodfellas. Cool, cool, yeah. I mean, Goodfellas is like a masterpiece. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so my number nine is Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh, <laughs> nice, dude. Nice. <laughs> so I have an interesting story about like. So I watched this film at some point, probably like in the mid two thousand. Watched it the first time. I was like, eh, okay, it's like whatever. I didn't kind of get it. Things confused me. Like the narrative confused me, and like mm. there was some cool shit for sure. Um, but you know, again, I grew up watching The Good, The Bad, and the Ugly, and mm-hmm. so all right, those films kind of felt different. Like the characters felt a little bit more uh, understated, at least mm-hmm. the first time I saw it. Um, and then I saw it a couple more times. And I feel like I really like, once you really understand what he's trying to do, like, especially like that opening scene, 
when you understand uh, once upon a time, like once upon a time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like once you understand like what he's trying to do and like all the type of things he's like the, the, his style is, yeah. There's something about this movie where you can really see what makes Sergio Leone, Sergio Leone. Right. 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 Because like, especially in this opening scene, it's all just, it's very Hitchcocky. Like yeah. he's just drawing you out. He's like, oh, what's going on? I it's it's one of my, know. yeah, for the record, <laughs> it's one of my all-time favorite opening scenes in any movie ever. I, I love the slow burn. I love the montage kind of, um, like, the theory behind it, which is just we're going to show you faces and then, a re like, juxtaposing things. Just, like, very one film, like, 101 type of things, but he's able to use them to such great effect. Yeah, and, and once you understand what's going on, it's like, fucking super brilliant because mm -hmm. it's all this there you know it's just they're waiting for this guy and you know we're waiting there for like four or five minutes and then it hits and you get that that insane motif um yeah. from neo Marconi where mm -hmm. he's playing the harmonica and you just see him playing the harmonica and he looks up it's like yeah. you see like and it's like oh okay yeah. now i understand um, and then they get this insanely beautiful crane shot of the three of them. And then it's the three of them and they spread out They're like, Oh, he's here. Mm -hmm, Let's get mm -hmm. him. And then it's just, and then you get one of the greatest lines of all time. It's, it's like, you know, he says, did you bring a horse for me? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks like we only brought three horses. Like you brought, <laughs> you brought one too many, uh, two too many. <laughs> too too many yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, Oh, and then they all like, they all like, Oh shit. <laughs> It's fucking great that he kills all of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like, and then, you know, like one of the next scenes basically is like uh, when, um, when the villain kills this, this whole family, like all the kids and the, the dad and the dog. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we get that, we get that, like the, the more extended version of that sort of theme with like the fucking guitar or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just like, Oh shit. And then you see it. It's Henry Fonda. <laughs> yeah right he's, and he's the bad guy in this movie and then he fucking blows his kid away and then we get a great shot that's a great trend it's one of really good where he shoots the guy shoots the kid and then it transitions into like a like a like a train station from a like a locomotive or whatever mm -hmm. um yeah it's just this movie is so brilliant it's just such a brilliant depiction of his style i feel like this really is emblematic of what Sergio Leone is trying to do more than anything. Mm -hmm. uh, even like the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, yeah. Cause this is like, it's all about the style on a lot of levels. It's just purely the visual stylistic stuff. Yeah. I like how, I like how you said that like, yeah, this is the kind of uh, like the emblematic kind of Sergio Leone kind of like, this is kind of his thing, his style, his everything. Cause like, uh, I think of like for us, we can get into the weeds about it and we can get, go into all of the like, Oh, this is why this works so well. And it's so brilliant, whatever. But for like the average movie goer, like my, I'm, I'm thinking of my mom, for example, uh, probably her favorite movie ever is like, uh, well, gone with the wind and the good, the bad and the ugly. Right. And, uh, she would not be able to explain why she's so like, it's, it's just his style is so compelling for just general audiences. And it has, I think it has to do with just the primordial kind of film elements, which is just shot of a guy's face shot of a thing back to the guy's face and the guy like, you know, he makes a, a, another expression or whatever, just the basic elements for what, like the way that he's able to use them and, and kind of bring in captivate the audience. Like, I think that's, 
that's probably a strength. And this is this movie is like the, the that the whole time. Yeah, just, and the, yeah. The thing too is like he, he he's it works so well too with Neil Maricone's music. Oh, because boy. he's able to fill those spaces of tension with just some of the most beautiful music ever and these motifs that then signify because even if you don't like understand that you know this character is harmonica because you never hear his name or whatever like mm. you associate that <laughs> with the yeah, sound right. and so you just yeah. get it. and so you're like oh he's coming or oh he's here or oh this has to do with him yeah, um, yeah. and yeah another great fucking shot in this movie is when you they finally reveal why he's after uh he's after uh henry fonda and in that uh mm-hmm. that great shot it's like a i don't know if they use a crane or something like that starts on his face you put the harmonica in his mouth and you see like it's him and his brother and his brother is like uh basically about to be hung and they're just laughing their asses off like ah, <laughs> and it's like it's them in the middle of this desert and there's this, this archway and he's about to get hung from there and it's just like whoa okay and and they don't say anything right no mm-hmm. no words are said mm-hmm. it's just music yeah and visuals and you totally get oh now i understand why he wants to kill this guy i want yeah. to kill this guy too yeah yeah he did that to me it's really impressive it's really really impressive when you can do shit like that there's long stretches in this movie like but again that beginning scene that there's just there's no dialogue like the entire thing is just mos it's just they made it up they made up all of the sound after the fact and well they did that with the dialogue even right but yeah, 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 yeah. uh it's just so fascinating to me when when you have somebody that has that much of a grasp on like film language that they can just kind of paint you this picture and they don't have to tell you anything. That's pretty great. Yeah, totally. And you know, they, yeah, he does it over and over and over. There's like another scene where I forget the, what the other the third character his name is or what. I forget was, too. Yeah. yeah. So he like he like busts into this bar, uh, mm-hmm. and and Leone does this law basically. The whole thing is like a payoff to us understanding he just busted out of prison. Like we mm-hmm. see this guy and he's doing all this stuff, and we're like, "Oh, uh, what's going on?" And then they kind of have a face off, and then at the end we see, "Oh, he's got like he's cuffed." <laughs> so this dude literally just busted out of prison. But like, you know, that's like three minutes into the scene. It's like all a payoff, and that's what it is. It's all like setup, 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 payoff, like huge payoff. Yeah, man. Where uh, it's just like a purely visual payoff, and Neil Maricone's music in this is like so good. The harmonica, that score, um, even the one for the female character, the Claudia Cardinal mm-hmm. character, that mm-hmm. is really beautiful. It's really yeah. beautiful. Um, and he's just like I said, he's able to just fill all this this space with sound that gives us a feeling. Like we we get an emotional feeling from the music, and we are able to like feel or anticipate or know or like know feel something from a character, even if we don't get a lot from them being said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that working music. relationship that they had. I don't remember like uh, the, the, I remember like looking into this a long time ago, but like they, you know, Morricone would just write music and then he would like kind of compose. He would kind of like edit his movie like to that music or some shit like that. And it, it totally makes sense. Like it's it's uh, it's it's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. He probably would just like read the script and be like, oh, harmonica. OK, I'll here I go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you don't have to tell me anything. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, one of my like this is just an absolutely incredible film. Incredible film. And yeah, like I said, I think it's I think this is like the the peak level of him of of Sergio Leone like in his style in the westerns. Yeah. Uh, cuz yeah, so. you know, after this he he basically the only other film he really did was uh well he did Ducky Sucker, but then he also yeah. did Once Upon a Time in America. 
mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is, you know, him sort of trying to do something kind of like the Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some kind of similar things he does, but that felt like more like him being like, shit, I should have done the Godfather basically. And then he did, yeah. he did like his own version of the Godfather. It's kind of, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, I like, yeah. I like that movie a lot too. Yeah, it's, I it's like more, it it's more like uh, Westerns. It, it, I never like Westerns are an America, like it's an Americana kind of a thing. And uh, gr- obviously Leone is Italian and they shot all these movies in Spain and whatever. Uh, but, off the backs of the John Fords and all of that shit. Uh, so like the Western is like a very purely American kind of invention. So when I was growing up and I was watching some of these Westerns, I didn't really feel attached to the period. Like I remember, um, like I saw good, the bad and the ugly when I was a kid, like again, through the tapes that my grandpa had, I saw a couple of those movies and I was, I was a lot more into the characters than I was into the setting. And then uh, eventually I think I got to back to the future part three and I was just like, I like this a lot, but I really don't give a shit about 1885. Like I would rather be back any other time period. So like, yeah. I just wasn't into it, but um, he, this is, this is, this is his thing. I mean, this is, it doesn't work without the, 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 the mythos of the Western. It's, it's kind of, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And it really is kind of amazing. Like how they pick it up. Cause like this, this is basically like, like once upon a time, this is a fairy tale. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a fairy tale. And it's like and it, this is a classic like the, the actual plot is about some like like the, the the villain is killing people because, you know, it has to do with uh, the it always has to do with like them, like whoever's building the trains or whatever. Or, like like they want to monopolize all the land. Oh, near yeah. Where the trains it's always. Are, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's again, that's just a classic. Um, that's a that's a classic trope of the Western. Like yeah. the 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 whoever's running the the railroads they're the bad guy basically yeah it's, it's it's well the bad guy is civilization right it's it's uh, progress that's that's usually the bad guy in westerns uh, it's like the encroaching the end of like the period and like how do they how do these people like reconcile with that yeah it's like once you reach the end of the frontier what's left um yeah. and what's left is the end right it's the end that's that's the end of the myth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they don't have anywhere else to go and so they have to like basically fight each other, kill each other, die out. And then civilization right. takes over. It's the Claudia Cardinal characters. They're the future and they're just mm-hmm, the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 The city slickers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I love this movie. I love this movie. Uh, I like it too. So I'm very, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. And frankly, cause it, it doesn't make you right. Like it does it. It's, it's so good on its own and it, it, there's so much we can say about it, but uh, it doesn't really like, I don't know, I guess in the legends of great movies, it doesn't get talked about in this as much as like uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. And I, I can understand why, I guess it's a little more dense, but uh, I, I'm so happy that you brought it up. You know, I, I'm glad we got to talk about it. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. One of my favorites. All right. Yeah. Once upon a time in the West, that's my number nine. Sweet. All right. My number nine. Um yeah, we we kind of like we're tracing back the roots now. So like a lot of my um, list has been like neo-noirs and like depressing shit. There's going to be a lot of depressing shit in this top 10. Either it's it's either depressing or nihilistic. It's one or the yeah. other. You know, there's that. That's just it. Turn, it turns out that is the key to my heart. <laughs> so um, but I also I, I'm I, I like very much a, a period in, in cinema, which is, you know, the kind of after there's actually i saw a thing it was 
Quentin Tarantino talking about Brian De Palma is when I when I was going through my De Palma phase. I'm perpetually in a De Palma phase, by the way. But uh, he was talking about how like he was comparing Hitchcock to De Palma, and he said Tarantino personally was more felt more attracted towards De Palma's movies because he understood the greatness of Hitchcock, but he also saw that like Hitchcock couldn't really go there, and by the time he could quote unquote go there with some of his movies like to, to show some of the stuff or like some of the psychological some of the fucked up things he w- was too old or you know and then he he died in like 1980 or whatever so he didn't quite make it some of these other guys on the other hand De Palma in particular not only like went there like they really went there you know and so I'm really fascinated with that period of time specifically that's why you don't see so many movies like I don't get me wrong I admire the craft of like a lot of 30s 40s 50s 60s movies uh, but I like when movies really were able to take us there and, and say a couple, drop a, book, a couple f bombs and some you know questionable things and just kind of put us there. So whatever, I'm I'm going on and on. We're at number nine, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, number nine for me. We open our books again to the uh, book of Scorsese. Loneliness has followed me my whole life, everywhere in bars and cars, sidewalks, stores, everywhere. There's no escape. I'm God's lonely man. Taxi Driver. Uh, this yeah. this is my favorite Scorsese movie, uh, and for all of the reasons that I just listed, basically, I think a lot of people would argue it's his best movie. I mean, I think, I think like uh, pure like r- raw like you know bravado, The Goodfellas is is the more technically impressive movie. Uh, but this is the one where, like, kind of the soul of the character, like the character study in this movie, is so strong. It is so strong. Yeah. Um, it it really does such a good job of putting you in that setting. Uh, the Bernard Herrmann score yeah. in this movie, the melancholic, the lonely jazz, the the opening scene with the with the steaming manholes in the the oh, New York City. Yeah. God so damn. beautiful, so cinematic. I mean, right? Even like like those those shots when he's in the car, like the last shot, and he's like looking in the mirror. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah. And there's yeah. there's a lot of shots like there's a lot of shots of like Travis, you know, Travis Bickle just driving through the city, and um, it also like I didn't even pick up on this until the last couple of times I saw this movie is like because because I was so tied up in the psychology of the character, but then um, it's also like a love, not necessarily a love letter, but like it really captures the kind of. Uh, craziness of of new york or like and and you can take that and you can make it any metropolitan city you know like i went yesterday i just went yesterday to the ups store and there was you know some crackhead just screaming on the side of the street because we're in la and that's how cities are that shot is in it's in this movie it's when he's he's following jody foster and there's a guy on the street just screaming and he's like i'll fucking i'll fucking kill you uh and he's just like some some loose crackhead on the streets like that's real <laughs> And uh, that stuff is in this movie. So this movie is just like kind of the pure filth. And there's not uh, not a whole lot of redemption in it. But um, I, it's it's like, you know, that that line in the movie is just like I'm I, there's 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 just lonely. I'm God's lonely man. Um, so I, I just I love this movie for all those reasons. I mean, stylistically, psychologically, what I was able to do, like that shot of the, the fucking um, Alka-Seltzer with bubbling up in the um, <laughs> And the, the cup or whatever. Uh, there's just so many cool things that he does in this movie. And uh, yeah, it's great. Everybody's great in it. it it's yeah. yeah. Paul Schrader wrote the script. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really brilliant. He also wrote Raging Bull. Um, mm-hmm. And he's gone on to like direct and write a lot of his oh, own stuff. Paul Schrader is one of my favorite um, yeah. filmmakers. Absolutely. I like the, I like um, 
there he's like unafraid of making sh- like garbage so like he'll he'll do uh i think he did the mishima movie right uh i think it's yeah mishima i, I hope I'm, I'm getting the name right yeah there, yeah, but, yeah 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 he did that chapters, yeah. yeah he did so he did a lot of like he does a lot of like really really well thought out stuff and like personal stuff and then he'll do like some schlocky bullshit like straight to dvd nicholas cage movies like he doesn't <laughs> care I like that, but uh, the the ones that he wrote that Scorsese did, you know, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, and I think he did one more, uh, King of Comedy, I believe. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Don't. But yeah, uh, those ones, like, I feel like th- those are the right ones for Scorsese to take over. Um, yeah, man, it's it's so it's just so cinematic. Uh, I love this movie. I love Harvey Keitel in this movie. <laughs> uh, Dude, this cast what, is insane. Sybil Shepherd's in it. Jodie Foster's yeah. in it. Um, yeah. Even I forget I forget what the guy's name, but he was a comedian and he was like on Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, Peter uh, Boyle, dude. Peter Boyle's in this. Yeah, yeah. He um, he was like a Paul Schrader. He he ended up being like a Paul Schrader regular. Like he was he pulled him over into his movies. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like this cast is, and of course De Niro is like incredible in this. So movie. that's the thing, right? This is the De Niro like coming out party. Absolutely. Yeah. He was in, uh, he was in, if you can believe this, he walked in, he was like, um, he was just like cast randomly for uh, Brian De Palma was making a movie in like 1960, whatever. And uh, he just, he was just a guy that like walked into the audition. Like nobody, nobody knew him. He, he auditioned, he got the De Palma movie. He, he did like three movies with De Palma, I think. And then De Palma introduces him to Scorsese. And then we have Robert De Niro. Like how crazy yeah. is that? Yeah, he he was like he also you know we're, we're in the seventies milieu now. He was he was yeah. you know trying to be in the Godfather. He wanted to be Sonny. Um, yeah, right. But they wanted James Caan instead, and then he ends up being Godfather Two and winning an Oscar mm-hmm, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was he was definitely around. I mean, the, yeah, right. These guys. No, in the you're 70s, right. You're right. Yeah. There's there, there's so much of the intersections of the of these people. You're right. You're um, right. Yeah. I for, I forgot Godfather Two predates this movie by a bit, and I think he did. He had done. Did he do Seventeen? What a, the the Bertolucci movie? I think he might have done that already too. Uh, Seventeen hundred, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's one. Uh, Nineteen hundred. He where Nineteen hundred. Nineteen hundred. That's the one. I'm yeah, sorry, that's yeah. the one he does. Phil Frontal in. Uh, him and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that scene is crazy. No, but he was doing. But he was doing it. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was working with Bertolucci. He was working. He did a movie with Elliot Kazan. He he was just like doing all of these things. He was doing all of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. What's funny is a lot of the '70s guys. They they rose like immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Almost. Immediately, basically. So fast. Like yeah. from Main Street <laughs> to Taxi Driver, pretty much. Yes. Uh, wild. Um, yeah. yeah. Same with uh, Al Pacino. Like he's almost yeah. immediately like the biggest guy on the planet. Um, he's yeah, exactly. His second movie is The Godfather. That's that's kind of wild. <laughs> Granted, <laughs> I mean, he'd been in theater for like a decade or more. So like he was known as a good actor. But like they had the stuff is the thing. Yes. You know, the, you, you, you don't get to Taxi Driver uh, unless you you can pull it off so yeah and like you're saying this 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 the cinematography and like the stuff that they pull off and this is so beautiful it's so beautiful oh it's my gosh. it's it's pro i mean you can come up with examples i'm sure you can sit here all day but like it's definitely one of the most like inventive uh ways like inventive movies of his like the way that he shoots like all the different types of uh because again he was getting into the psychology of the character so like some of the camera movements like uh, at the end of the movie when he's sitting on the couch you know in the in the whorehouse or whatever with like the dead guys all around him and it's like this aerial shot it's like very kind of 
I don't know. It's just it's different. It's it's not like the type of Scorsese. Now the Scorsese isms are like you know fast camera movements, quick cuts, whatever. Uh, but this is this is just a lot more um, artistic, I guess you could say. I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of really smart stuff he does. You know, uh, another yeah. great example is like when he so like after he he takes the girl on the date to the porn thing. Yeah, he right. He calls her on the phone and then like you slowly track away because mm-hmm, it's too awkward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like like that. Like this is a great fusion of like a really great script with an incredible director and an incredible leading performance. And and at the right time too. Yeah. I mean, you, we talk about how like fucked up New York was in the seventies. <laughs> this is the. I mean, yeah, this movie absolutely works off the back of that. <laughs> Speaking of the cat, Albert Brooks is in this too. This yes, great. he is. Yeah, yeah, it's just a great cast. And like, uh, you know, I mean. It's it's still kind of relevant. There there are people like him out there, <laughs> still to this you day. You don't you don't say. Yeah, really. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like more obvious There's than ever. There's Sprinkles <laughs> to this day. The only I always found like the ending is really interesting. Mm. It's very kind of like not sure what to make of it. It almost it almost feels like like you're going into his head or something, and it's it's like yeah, uh, yeah. his no. own version of an ending. You know, it's it's uh, well, the movie is subjective. Like a lot of people yeah. don't get that the first couple times yeah. around. It's not it's not an objective portrayal of New York necessarily or of these like different kind of CD areas. Uh, it's it's from the point of view of the racist and of the you know the guy psychopath. with the psychosis. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Like he's like going, he's like losing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that that's why it's you know. It's just abs- it's one of the greats, man. And I remember the first time I saw it when um, in the beginning of the movie where he's talking about like his kind of day to day, how shitty his his day to day is. And he's like, I got to take the I got to bring the cab back to the thing. I got to clean the cum off the back seats or whatever. And I was just like, hold up. Like they were saying this shit in movies in the 1970s. And then the, the scene, the Scorsese cameo, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you, ever, you ever see what a fucking 44 does to a woman's pussy? Like, uh, Damn, dude. That's that scene. Holy that shit. scene is like <laughs> that scene is hardcore. Like the it's thing so, Scorsese did. Yeah. It's so like fucking that, that's intense. A, that's like a different version of the Travis Brinkle character, but just on a different like maybe he's just has more money, but yeah. he's like the same shit. He's a crazy fucking dude. <laughs> yeah. I and so and so ultimately to close, that's why I love this movie so much and it's it's in the top 10 is because it shows us without any filter um, just some of the more depraved sides of humanity that were all, you know, in one way or another, like you could fall into that very easily, especially if you're in like a concrete jungle, like a New York or something, you can see how somebody, you, you have to be a little predisposed to it, but you can see how like the city swallows you up in that way. And I love stories like that. I absolutely adore stories like that. So, yeah. And the climax of this film is so good. It's it's actually yeah. really, really, really good. Um, when he does gets into that shootout, and it's like mm-hmm. I love too is like the setup, right? So he goes and he shoots uh, Harvey Keitel, and he just kind of walks away, and you're like, oh shit, he should have <laughs> should have fucking double tapped him. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the ticking time bomb. <laughs> then he goes in here, and like you know, we've we've seen all the characters. He's gonna all the scummy people. He's gonna run across, and he's just like boom, boom. He's taking them out, taking them out, and then. You know, Harvey Keitel, of course, comes back and he's got to blow him away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but and it's shot in such a like interesting yeah. way. Yeah, it's yeah. not like very like kind of. We're gonna do the we're gonna do the wide here. Then we're gonna do you know the kind of the close up or whatever. It's just like it's very. It's very weird. There's like a like, weird. a top shot like over the top. 
yeah. when he's like in the hallway and he blasts some guy. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It, we get a lot of weird perspectives. So um, the, yeah, it's it's all ha- it's all to do with the way he perceives it, right? It's the the psychosis of it. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, like 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 the I I'd forgotten for a while that he tries to kill himself at the end mm-hmm. of that whole thing, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, dude, gun in mouth, <laughs> and then he's just like. <laughs> What a movie. Yeah, I, iconic. A movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So iconic. definitely uh, one of my all-time favorites, Taxi Driver. Cool. All right. So my uh, number eight film, another film from Italy. Uh, this is The Leopard from 1963, directed by Lucini Visconti. Nice. You turned me onto this movie a little yeah. while ago, and I, I looked into it, and it looks so fucking cool, dude. This movie's insane. So this movie, so Visconti's an interesting guy. He's done a lot of, so he started doing neorealist films, and then basically I think... They just, you know, he got so big that they just let him do whatever. And then he starts mm-hmm. doing these films uh, like this that are massive. And also these other, he says these films like about these like crazy German, like he did this, uh, this film about this German guy, uh, like, like some prince or king or some shit. And it's just him. And it's just, it's just the character in like a, in a, um, like, like a castle. And he's just going crazy. It's just him going crazy over the course of the film. And he just does a lot of these, like, he's done a lot of really interesting films and, like, really, really, like, great character pieces. But also then it's like he got so big that they just gave him bigger budgets. And then he's doing bigger budget stuff with still, you know, interesting character elements to it. So The Leopard is, like, one of those really big budget Italian sort of movies from the 60s. Like, it's like if Italy as a country tried to do... Mm -hmm something equivalent to uh, Dr. Zhivago, basically. Yeah, right. The right, leopard right. is that. Get a big movie star. Get, get uh, what's his name, Burt Lancaster. Get him. He's going to star in the movie. Get the French guy. Uh, <laughs> and then get Car- Claudia, uh, Elaine Delone. And then get Claudia Cardinal. Yeah. And a huge budget. And I have, here's your movie. I yeah. have to see this movie. I love it. Yeah. I love all of the above. Yeah. And it's like peak of all these people, too. Um, that's Elaine so cool. Delone is like peak himself where he's like super charming like what this guy, guy. like <laughs> like like yeah this guy could have been like basically the like if they had a French version of of James Bond it's him mm-hmm, it's him mm-hmm. in, per, in perpetuity basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but ba- pretty much this this film is about the changing of the the guard over time and like sort of regime change so it's about this aristocracy in Sicily that is sort of about to change over because there's like these new political and sort of youth movements coming. And there's like a big, there's basically some wars and stuff happening in the country. And that's all that stuff getting swept in. But the, but the film is really just about uh, the Burt Lancaster character kind of like seeing that his time is over and he has to like sort of bequeath this to the next generation, which is like mm. Lane Delone. And, and I think the Claudia Cardinal is characters like his, uh, niece or something like that and so you know it's like him saying okay i have to like let this stuff go um and in the meantime we get some of the most beautiful cinematography and lighting and like the costumes yeah i was looking this is a period piece and it's incredible it's incredible i was looking for um like to see if, if this movie is available like on in blu-ray if there's ever been like a, a restoration of it or whatever and i saw a couple stills and just from those stills, I was just like, holy goddamn, like this movie looks incredible. Yeah, it's incredible, man. Uh, like the production I, I, design, everything. Yeah, like you can tell they. this is one of the biggest films from Italy of this time. 
Mm-hmm. Like this was probably like the biggest budget film they they'd done, you know, uh, <laughs> of the decade. And you can really see it and feel it. it. It really just feels epic, you know, epic in scope and scale and like the the characters and the way that they re- replicate uh, the time period. And there's these great, there's this one really great battle scene in the film where it's like, you know, whoever the, and it's like, it's like Elaine alone with like a flag and some shit leading this battle charge. It's really cool. Um, but the best part of this film is like the end, I think it's maybe like an hour or so. There's this massive uh, ballroom uh, sort of celebration or waltz or something. And it's, it is like, it's unbelievable that, that, yeah. and that's like the last hour of, this, of the film is just them at this, this ball. And they're all just like really dressed up. And um, that's like when we really get the, the sort of character changeover where the Burt Lancaster character kind of like, there's this moment between the three of them where he kind of like gives her off to him and it's like a change of the guard. Mm. Um, and then, you know, Claudia Cardell and him have like this dance and it's like, it's really like kind of amazing. Like all this stuff, all the levels that they're able to do in this film while keeping it really grounded, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but at the same time, it's like super opulent and beautiful. It's just like, wherever they shot this stuff, it seems like they, they found these, these, you know, estates in yeah. somewhere, Italy or wherever to shoot this stuff. And, and it's, it feels like you're there. Mm-hmm. You're there. Uh, and, you know, just like watching this film, I'm just like blown away by the scale of everything. It just like, yeah, I, you know, I got to tell you, like, this is one of the very few examples I can think of, of a movie that I haven't seen that I can close my eyes and I can still see the, the stills, just the stills from it. I can, I can see it. I can see the like white suits and I can see the fucking decor and the huge ballroom and everything. Like that's impressive. I mean, yeah. and we talk about how, like how impossibly difficult it is to just get anything made. And the fact that we have something like, to, to me, a movie like this sounds like it's just a document of like when, like when, when like humanity is just like operating at the height, uh, height of its powers, you know, where like everything is as polished as it can possibly be. Uh, it's very cool that we can have something like this. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's just like a miracle that it exists. And it's just mm-hmm. a testament to what is, what you're able to do in with cinema. Like mm-hmm. you're able to transport us to 1860 right. Sicily and we can feel what it's like and see yeah. it and just be kind of like blown away. <laughs> yeah it's crazy man yeah i i really um yeah this is just one of those films that for me is just like you know and it's kind of underrated too yeah um, i feel that way like the, a lot of the ways that you're describing this movie is is kind of how i felt about uh the conformist is just like yeah maybe maybe not talked about as much but like when i, I swear to god man when the, when the italians were were doing stuff like this and especially period pieces um they fucking like nailed, nailed it, it. Yeah. Nailed. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I mean, the film I talked about before, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, I mean, they were capable of like, creating some great cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And Visconti's done a lot of films that I've liked. Uh, like I said, he just like basically started doing these kind of character pieces. Um, and then, you know, he just became such a big name that they just like, okay, here's $5 yeah, million. Here. <laughs> Go do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and so i've liked a lot of his stuff this is to me is like the masterpiece of all yeah this uh, is this it, is very high on my on my watch list so i'm hoping at some point they release a 4k version of this because be nice, I, 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 I really feel like it'll be equivalent to like watching the 4k of uh lawrence of arabia i feel like it's yeah. that like, like in they, terms of extracting detail from a scene yeah and there's a lot to extract 
I'm sure there's yeah. so much to extract in this. And, um, yeah, I, I, I uh, it, it exists. It exists. Um, they, yeah, they just, just have to, it. some, someone has to just get it together and, and release the shit. Physical yeah. release. Yeah. Or some kind of just, just give it, give it to me yeah. anyway. I, can I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if I have to go get it on the criterion channel or if I have to like buy it or I have to like, Mm-hmm. Go and you know do a drug deal for it. Just just tell me. That's how all it takes sometimes. The Criterion has to step in, and then all of a sudden, all of this this just pops up everywhere. Like, ah, oh, this movie's out there now. Yeah, Hopefully. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was seeing this thing um, popped into my feed. There was like some. It was some like I think it was a, a like Iranian film, I believe that like it got like shown twice in Iran, and then it got just buried uh, because. Okay. And but then they finally got a uh, like a 4K remaster of it that's going to be released and it just makes you think like holy shit just, wow. just like think, think of all these films that are out there that's like i like i've never heard of this film at all right yeah yeah dude it, it we, i mean we just talked about it with the buster keaton stuff like there's 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 films that were made that we're probably not gonna see but like whenever something like this happens i get very excited <laughs> like i just love the unearthing of these artifacts that, yeah. that show us like how you know how 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 great we can be yeah, especially like when we, when we when people go in and they restore it too. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we're seeing it in like the best quality cuz like unfortunately, you know, and this is the thing like that's why I'm so happy that this film really exists and there's a criterion of right. it. And it's in a really really good condition because, yeah. you know, when you there there are places like like Egypt is a good example. Egypt has a lot of there's a lot of films made, but for us to see them is like basically impossible. Mm-hmm. Like like at least yeah. in a good version, it's like you get some shit and it's like, you know, it's not even blu-ray quality it's just like kind of whatever it looks bad and like the subtitles are they suck and it's just like (laughs) you know and but you know there's probably some great films there oh there's probably some great films but we just can't get to it it's just Mm -hmm. like not there's not there needs to be some kind of structure to like yeah you know advocate for them and like restore them and get them out there in in a way that's consumable by as many people as possible yeah preservation's a weird thing it uh it's it gets a, it's, I, I mean, like, I care about it, but like, it, it's like always the first thing to go off of like people's priorities is just like, yeah, preservation, whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, we, we live in the now. A lot of people can't think past that, but which I, it's totally understandable. But yeah. 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 But like, yeah, we have this film. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping at some point there'll be a 4K release of it. But um, I'm glad it's on Criterion. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. Is it on Blu-ray, Criterion? Yeah, it's Blu-ray. Yeah, then I'll, I'll probably just pick that up and I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah, yeah. There's like a pretty pretty good quality. It's like a 2K scan probably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they um, do a good job. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, so I'll just leave, uh, <laughs> I'll leave with a quote. So like the biggest quote of this film is like at some point the Burt Lancaster character when he's sort of you know, going through like how everything is changing and what's, what's happening. And he says, has this line says, if we want things to stay as they are, things will have to change. And that's like the thematic element of this film Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is that yes, at some point him, the aristocracy, they're going to have to go away. But in order for Italy to stay Italy, things have to change. The, the only constant is change. Yeah. 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 That's cool. This film kind of like the, like the the thematic thing that it posits is that, there's always a sort of continuous human undercurrent with mm-hmm, the change. Mm-hmm, 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 like yeah. the aristocracy may turn over or they may lose power or whatever, but there's still a human element that's the same. Yeah. It's continuing. That's cool. That's a very cool yeah. premise. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, my number eight film, the leopard. Cool. 
Moving right along. Um, my number eight film, we're at number eight, right? I don't have the numbers in front of me, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, talk about a, a 4K, so, something about extracting details out of a movie and just really, um, this is a visual feast of a movie. Uh, in fact, my quote for it is, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Uh, Blade Runner is number eight. Yeah. Um, and again, very recently when, when the sequel came out, they went back and they did a, like a proper 4K release of the final cut and all of the other cuts, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Not all of them in 4K, but all of them are at least on Blu-ray now, including, I think, the assembly cut, which is crazy. So it's all <laughs> out there. I've seen every single version of this film. I have seen every single version. They're all, I mean, some are better than others, but the point is that, yeah, fucking Blade Runner, am I right? Um, I think what attracts me to it is, so I'm a sci-fi fan. I like sci-fi. Um, but this is not, so the thing, we talked about this when we talked about Blade Runner 2049 a little bit, where um, for a lot of people, especially nowadays, like recently, they, they look at it and like the way it's marketed, kind of like a blockbuster kind of a thing. And then people go and it's just like three hour meandering, like existential movie. And uh, some people just did not like it at all or they felt robbed or whatever. Um, on the other hand of that, Blade Runner, the, the original is un filtered film noir it is un fucking it's just un unstopped you know um so yeah that's basically that's what i like about it it is film noir set in a cyberpunk setting and i love cyberpunk and i love sci-fi i like um it's based on Philip K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, one of the very few stories i've actually read because i hate reading but um the, i I get really, really excited about the thoughts of AI and artificial humanity and what it means to be human and stuff like that. It's just like a fun thing. It's like a fun thought, philosophical thing I like to think about. Uh, it's an existential thing. And uh, so that's what this movie is about, basically. Uh, what it, you know, it's Harrison Ford is a detective or a private eye, I should say. No, he's a detective. I'm sorry. He's a detective for the LAPD in the year 2007, 2009. I don't remember where it takes. In the, in the yeah, movie. It's, it's 2019. It was 2019. You're 2019. right. That's, yeah. yeah, that's right. Because I remember, I remember yeah. watching it in 2019. You're right. Yeah. right, right, right. It's funny. Yeah, um, it's 2019. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's, there's right a little bit the of... before the pandemic hit. <laughs> like it... <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry. That's yeah, no, 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 no. You just blew my fucking mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you think about that, like, like in our timeline, if, it, if they, like, overlap, <laughs> literally it's fucking Blade Runner. All, they're killing these, these fucking things, and then, like, COVID hits on top of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so, so so yeah. Thing... If you thought futuristic, like, L.A. was bad, imagine that shit with COVID on top of it. <laughs> well, in, in, um... In in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, when they talk about the blackout, maybe that's what it was. They're talking that's about COVID. They're talking about twenty twenty. <laughs> you know, uh, Deckard and then uh, what's her face? They they disappear Rachel. and then yeah. yeah, Rachel, Rachel, and then um, <laughs> yeah, the COVID happens. But no, uh, fuck it. What do I have to say about Blade Runner? I don't know, dude. I love this movie. I love so a couple things. The score, the Vangelis score. It oh, is. Yeah. We, we we were just talking about the Taxi Driver score. It's in that vein. It is so moody. It is so goddamn moody. Um, and 
a lot there's a lot to say about it actually so like the way that it sets up its its world like i said it's it's a visual kind of a feast the movie opens up on like an extreme close up of an eye and then the explosion in the eye and then you see the fucking um, the 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 like industrial kind of areas of LA yeah. 2019 and we're flying uh, into a pyramid right yeah and it, it all of these insane like batshit crazy visual things like like we talk about james cameron he does a lot of these things and he constructs these sets and stuff but like there is a particular flavor of that that ridley scott is really really good at when he's really like when he's really invested in a project when he really like gives a shit and he's not just like making a movie um his visual style is like very i mean one of absolutely one of the best in the biz um that scene where he goes to tyrell's office and um the shadows uh of the columns of the like rippling kind of water on on the walls like they did that shit like i i watched the dangerous days you know the documentary about the making of the movie and the ridley scott came he walked in on set and he was like i need you to turn every single one of these columns upside down yeah and then yeah yeah, and then like rear project fucking like water and they were just like why it doesn't make any sense and he's just like like he, he he's able to think that way he's a he's an illustrator he's an artist uh he yeah he draws. the production design background is really because like he was yeah. so smart at being able to like i have to use every set like four times and how do you do that you turn shit upside down and around yeah and you move it you shoot it in an interesting way yeah so like we talk about like directors a lot and like what it really means to like the, to, to, to feel the hand of a director this is uh a lot of people can take or leave ridley scott because they they his career is half and half it's like half blade runner gladiator alien these these great things and then the other half is just commercial things that he kind of was forced to do or he kind of fell into it or whatever um but this movie is like uh it's very like like it has a very pure intention i think and he's been fucked with a lot uh there's a lot of cuts (laughs) of this movie and that and that's the frustrating part of it is that they fired him before this movie came out he was off the project he did not have any nothing anywhere near final cut. He didn't even have a fucking say. They as soon as they wrapped, they fired him. And then there's all the stories about him and Harrison Ford just hating each other and and all this stuff. There, so, there's even like I I, I got in even in into the deep dive with him and uh, Sean Young. That's another oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where I mean, she she kind of hates him basically. That's the answer. He I mean, doesn't yeah. probably think much of her, but she kind of was mad at him. But anyway, no, I think he's he's like he's operating at such a like galaxy brain level that when he like when an actor comes up to him and he's just like you're like a Hitchcock kind of a thing. Like you are nothing more to me than a chess piece. Like for, for real. Like yeah. he was mad because like like it's kind of it's kind of she does this thing where um and you'll see it. There's this close up of her like in that scene when he first meets her in the office. Yeah, where yeah. she like does these kind of like you you barely can tell, but she does these kind of cute things where she like moved like 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 she like he says, oh well, why don't you do why don't you try doing the uh, the thing on her like see yeah see if the, you can, the test see if she's yeah. and she does this kind of thing like ooh yeah here we go um, apparently he didn't like he wanted her to just be completely stiff right. and not move or react at to all be a robot so they, basically yeah to be a robot yeah and so he like he like. Uh, he took this metal rod or something and like put it on her back so she wouldn't move. So she'd be really stiff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, yeah. that's very funny, but that's what you have yeah. to do sometimes. Cause like, that's if, what he wanted, right? That's exactly it. Be a robot. Like I don't have time for you to be a human being. I just need you to like, I have such a strong vision for this thing and I just need you to, to facilitate it. Uh, yeah. And that's basically what this movie is. And we have to talk about, because uh, we could talk about Blade Runner for the next three hours. But uh, I, I want to at least uh, bring up Rutger Hauer in this movie. He's he's always been one of my favorite actors because he does 
he does shit. I mean, he he did the shit. He did. <laughs> oh, did you do Hobo with a Shotgun, right? Yeah, dude, that was one of my favorite movies ever, dude. When Hobo with a Shotgun came out, I, I had like a whole watching party at my house. Like, I was super into it. Uh, I'm super into like schlock. Uh, this is not a secret. Um, so Rutger Howard, like starting with the Paul Verhoeven stuff in the 70s, the, the Danish stuff that they did, um, just really out there, really out there guy. Uh, and if you hear the stories about like, you know, him showing up for this movie for Blade Runner, like showing up with the outfits that he was wearing and everything really eccentric. Um, but he committed to the role. I mean, he's the he kind of ad libbed that whole speech that I just quoted. And uh, he everybody in this movie just has the right kind of look for it. And uh, I really appreciate that about it. And again, visually, it is a feast. And if you haven't seen the 4K version of this movie, it's it is absolutely it's like a reference 4K disc. And a lot of people are like, well, what about fucking Batman versus Superman? That's a new movie with a lot of special effects. And it's like not like this, not when they were building the practical sets. And especially since we have the final cut where he he didn't George Lucas it. He enhanced things, but he did. He used CGI for things like glass breaking. Right. He didn't use CGI to like superimpose more people in the scene <laughs> or anything. Um, so the final cut, the kind of final edit of it is is gorgeous. I mean, all of the imagery and it's not like this movie cr- invented all the cyberpunk imagery. A lot of this stuff is like Hong Kong at night is basically a lot of it. Um, yeah. A lot of anime. The same uh, with Tokyo. I mean, Tokyo yeah. in the 80s, like when people in the West yeah. basically saw that, they're like, the fuck? This is the future. All our cities are going to look like that. Of course, they didn't. But people were blown away by it. Basically. So so imagine a vision of, of L.A. looking like that. And yeah. this movie comes out in 1982. Uh, was not a big hit. And especially the, the theatrical cut that came out. Very much yeah. not a big hit. Uh, that movie fucking with the, sucks. With the fucking Kubrick shots, like the shining shit. Yeah, Honestly, I've never seen the theatrical cut. I don't think I ever want to see it. Yeah, Personally. probably not. It's not. I mean, it's it's an oddity because of the like you you might want to see it just for the voiceover because uh, they did like they just they like dragged Harrison Ford back in the studio. Like, I don't know what the fuck they were hanging or they must have hung something over him, some kind of contract or some bullshit because they dragged him back in. They are the mo- you could probably just find them on YouTube. They are the most unenthusiastic. Yeah. line readings i've ever heard and he has to explain everything every step of the way a replicant is what we call an android that is it's terrible but um yeah i so ultimately what is my point i love blade runner because it is just it's film noir done in a cyberpunk way it's a very lonely moody movie uh deckard is a lonely character i like lonely characters very much um and he struggles with with some of the bullshit bullshit whatever with some of this the <laughs> Ridley Scott's original kind of idea for it with introducing the idea that uh, Deckard might be a replicant adds like a a whole like love it or hate it. But it adds like a layer to the kind of uh, ponderous, lonely, uh, existential uh, aspect of the movie. And I love that so much. I love that my favorite scenes in the movie is where like Deckard in his just in his apartment, like on the piano or like on his couch or smoking on the on the balcony. And he's that like, balcony oh, shot's insane. It's, like oh, like because the so background, because I mean that that is basically a like a third of that shot is a painting. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it looks really looks so. It's so it's all very consistent. It looks so good. Um, so yeah, like the, it's it's an absolute mood piece for me and. Uh, I want to be in this mood all of the time. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I yeah. never want to be happy. I just want to be in like a in the in between like Blade Runner. What is what is love, baby? Don't hurt me, mood. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah, love Blade Runner. Love it. Yeah, 
Okay, so um, so my so we're at number seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number seven is a French film from 1945 called Children of Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, so Children of Paradise is a really interesting film because so when they're shooting it, um, it was it was during the German occupation. <laughs> yeah, they're shooting it during the German occupation, and uh, the film is basically about these sort of uh, lives of these four different people. And how they intertwine, and they're all like, like one guy is sort of like a gangsterish guy, and like another's a mime, and then there's this one woman who a lot of them are pining after. Um, and the film is just like, just so there's something about it that's just so kind of beautiful and poetic and like heartfelt, and it like kind of gets at something in the human condition that's so hard to articulate, but once you see it, you can feel it and you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, there's this one scene that'll always like stick with me, like the Again, it's like a lot, basically a lot of it has to do with like, they're all kind of pining after this one woman. And then they, uh, there's a scene where, you know, it's like the mime character, he's like, has this moment where he can like kind of almost sort of tell his love to her or like sort of be with her. She's like in a vulnerable place and he's in a vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. But being faced with that moment, being faced with the idea of like, you know, telling, you know, you're like, you love someone or something is like too much for him. And he like literally kind of shrinks back and like kind of goes away into the shadows and it's like oh so yeah it's so raw like, <laughs> fucking whoa like but i but i like you know like i know that feeling mm-hmm. i know that feeling well, of like not being sure, able to yeah. do it like being there yeah seeing the moment and just being like i fuck I can't do you, it. yeah you you talk a big game in your head and then you, uh, you yeah. well it's 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 almost like it, it's 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 like the fear right there's like this fear of like when you're really vulnerable, you, you yeah, can right. like really be crushed. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it felt like. That's how it came off as like this high level of vulnerability. Um, it's just, yeah. And there's just so much about, you know, like these other films that I've talked about, the production design is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when you understand like what the stuff they did during world war two, that they, <laughs> that they're pulling, like how the fuck did they do this? <laughs> you know what that's, I'm saying? It's uh, like, how story. is that's, this possible? That's that's, that's what I do know about this movie is the, uh, the kind of that that it was it was during the occupation um and they have like very they have some like pretty huge scenes in this movie right yeah there's like there's they it kind of feels like they recreate um basically i forget exactly what the time period is but it's sort of like 18 somethings they recreate it and it's like what (laughs) you know it's like massive um almost like a flea market or something of like hundreds mm-hmm, of extras mm-hmm. and yeah it's 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 brilliant it's like wow they really put some budget into it and again like being able to do this while being occupied by <laughs> germans and the whole thing feels like an allegory for, for being occupied in the war as well yeah I, I i imagine right that the, the whole string of the uh, all the european films being made around this time yeah. is like all allegorical yeah yeah um this is like a lot of people consider this one of the best French films ever made. Um, I probably based upon my list, I would agree with them. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> but there's, you know, there's something about like, so, and the reason why for me, this is like such a high ranking film is that film can do things that other art forms can't totally do. And sometimes those things are hard to art- articulate, but it gives you a feeling. It puts mm-hmm. you in a mood. Or it makes mm-hmm. you understand a time and place. Yeah, this film like kind of does all that at once. Yeah, and 
you can tell, you can feel like there's a feeling you get when you, when you like, when I, even when I saw like Lawrence of Arabia and I saw it on a shitty DVD and it's right. like fucking Listen, same doesn't translate. You, you can feel it. You know, I know, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Same. Like, I know there's tape, something like you get it. Yeah. I know there's something here. There's something like brilliant. There's something beyond just like the shit that I watch that, you know, I enjoy, but it's not exactly the highest level of what is possible in this medium. Um, and then, you know, once I've seen other versions of the film, I really, now I, I know what that was that I could feel, but I couldn't totally see. Children of Paradise is like a film where I'm like, okay, this is everything put together of what film can do at the highest level in terms of the narrative, in terms of the acting, in terms of the, the plot structure, in terms of uh, like the acting and all of it, the production design, all of it is the culmination of all the things that film does well put into one thing and then presented to an audience. Mm -hmm. And that is just like, it's just something to behold. It's like almost intimidating <laughs> to be in the presence of like, it's almost like, you know, standing in front of these, like, you know, the, the Renaissance. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. No, the very, that's a very good example. Yeah. I, I, I hate describing certain movies that way. Like this movie is a painting, Yeah, but like, we, we we as film people like we kind of get it like you, you you i understand what you're saying <laughs> yeah exactly it's just like art on a super high level yeah it's it's on a canvas right mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you're just like you know to fully appreciate all of the depth and beauty of what it is having seen like 3000 films you're like there's nothing that there's just things that it does that just don't compare other films just can't reach the heights that it did Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like Children of Paradise is a film that it's it's just it's just unbelievable. Like, and it's, it, again, it's just awe-inspiring. Like, this is what film can do. It can mm -hmm. do. It can give you all these different feelings. It can present all of these like very nuanced shades of of human interaction and human emotions. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's just it's just such a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Film. Yeah, I I, but I I mean that's that's gonna keep coming up is uh the. The what the the inspiring a mood or inspire like getting you to feel a part of a world right like I mean even any anywhere from this movie to something like a Blade Runner it's like you don't have to uh, you get you 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 feel transported you feel you get sometimes you you just get exactly the mood that they want you to feel and then um, the other thing the thing that really impresses me about movies in general is when they do nail those those like. Um, kind of universal emotion character emotion things like what you just described with the mime character um that is some of the most powerful stuff anywhere like the, if you can do that if you can elicit something like that in an audience member uh that's that's really powerful yeah yeah um and again like you know as being someone who's like seen so much stuff um right yeah you, you can be kind of jaded after a while right <laughs> or not jaded but yeah, just kind of feel like you've seen of, everything well i would say um the thing that sticks out to me is like uh, with this film is like, I can just, there are some films that give you a feel mm -hmm. and it's always right away or like within the first 10 minutes where you're like, okay, I'm in the hands of like, like master craftsmen basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like they mm -hmm. are doing something on a level that is higher than even I can maybe comprehend. <laughs> yeah, sure. And that's what I felt like. And that's what I feel like when I think about this film, it's so high level film mastery uh that you can yeah. just just be in awe. you get lost in it right yeah <laughs> yeah it's beautiful it's beautiful uh yeah so that's my number seven children yes yeah. 
Cool. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's a good segue into my number seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know how it happens. And I think a lot of the times the filmmakers themselves, I mean, certainly somebody like uh, the the guy who made Children of Paradise, certainly they probably understood. They probably had a better, uh, uh, they had a finger on it. But um, I don't know how some some movies, like you said, you watch it for a little bit and you get a feeling, you get a vibe that like you feel like your soul is kind of just like uh, uh, activated in a way, right? By this thing. Yeah. Uh, that's how I feel about my number seven. And in fact, this this is the movie that I can point to definitively, and it might sound hyperbolic and stupid, but like I can I can point to this movie the the first time I saw this movie and say like, yeah, I think I think I want to I think I want to pursue this. I think even if I end up just working on a set for the rest of my life and like not making mm-hmm. anything. Um, that there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. I want to be part of this dream factory. This is the movie that sold it for me. Um, so, okay, <laughs> but <laughs> hold on, because we're only going to get more into the, into depressing shit. Um, so the, uh, the quote for this movie, right? Um, Do you think that if we were falling in space that you would slow down after a while or go faster and faster, faster and faster. And for a long time, you wouldn't feel anything. And then you'd burst into fire forever. And the angels wouldn't help you because they've all gone away. So that's uh, that's kind of the, um, the 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 state of uh, mind that we're in for this one. Uh, number seven is Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me, uh, the David Lynch movie. Uh, there's a lot to say about this movie, so I'm going to try to uh, breeze through it. Um, it it gets a bad rap because it is titled Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me, and it's it's related to the TV show, right? Yeah. Um, it's directly related to the TV show. However, it is. 120 percent a david lynch movie uh, whereas the tv show you know how like you, you're you're on a show it was a first of all twin peaks was on abc which should have never fucking happened in the first place a lot of cooks in the kitchen you know lynch was in there he directed uh, the first season uh, or he, he sorry he directed most of the episodes of the first season um but then he had a co-writer whatever blah 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 blah, blah. uh fire walk with me and it's on network so yeah and, and what the 90s or whatever? in the 90s yeah yeah so, so this is like x-files and this other yeah. kind of stuff like it, it's yeah. not it's not like the way we see tv today where there's like eight nine episode seasons or whatever and it's you kind of get free reign that shit is like there's yeah like you said there's a lot of hands oh it was stuff committee right everything by committee so twin peaks the show was very much it destroyed every single trend because it was a it was a it was a serial thing it wasn't like a every every week they solve a case and they move on it was every week they 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 make a new discovery it was a mystery so we talked uh going back to my obsession with david lynch the the he's the mystery guy to me we talked about mulholland drive and how much i love that movie um twin peaks again uh, a lot of cooks in the kitchen for that one fire walk with me is the movie that David Lynch made a sort of a rebellion against the network. So he was able to somehow finagle a deal where he could use the Twin Peaks universe and make a movie about it. So what is the movie? What is the show Twin Peaks about? Laura Palmer shows up um, wrapped in plastic on like the shore of uh, this like uh, Oregon or sorry, Washington state town, right? Uh, uh, Mountain mountainous kind of area. She's dead. She's like a 50. She's like a, 15, 16, 17 year old, whatever. Uh, everybody loved her, darling, every, you know, um, just a sweetheart. And then nobody thought that anything, that she was involved in anything, but here she shows up dead. And then they find out throughout the, the mystery of the show, trying to figure out what happened to her, that she was into some shit. And uh, everything, life in the small town is not peachy, uh, which is another David Lynch motif we'll get back to. Uh, the movie 
is a, is a, is a two-parter. The second half of it is about Laura Palmer's last week alive. Uh, so we don't get to see that in the show. She's already dead in the show, and we don't get a lot of flashbacks. Um, so this movie, in a way, is also feels good because we get to see Cheryl Lee like go roll with it, like just go there. Um, so some of the cast from the, the movie uh, from the show show up in the movie, and then in the first half of the movie, it's like a completely new story uh, set. I don't know somewhere like is before the events of the show. So it's a before whatever. It's all like a prequel thing. So <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter. What, yeah. what's, what's the point here? Um, the, the, I'll just focus on the, the, cause there's a lot you can say about the detective side of the, of the movie with the, with the dead hookers and whatever. The second half of the movie, the Laura Palmer's kind of descent is some of the most fascinating character stuff I've ever seen because uh, spoiler warning, I guess if you, if you ever plan to watch Twin Peaks, um, what the, the, the mystery and why the, the reason the show died is that they solved the mystery and what, uh, what was true and what ended up happening is that Laura Palmer was raped and murdered by her father. Right. And in t on TV, that's a kind of heavy thing to put in yeah. this movie, this R rated fucking no holds barred movie. Uh, we, we, we go there. <laughs> we, we absolutely go there. We see her home life in the last seven days and we see, kind of her dad is possessed by this spirit and it's mm -hmm. it's not like a, but it's not like a horror movie spirit it's like a it's more ethereal it's more like it's 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 a representative spirit of like the evil in in man the cap the, the evil capabilities of mankind um ray wise incredible in this movie super underrated this is again somebody that tarantino would like fucking kick the door down and be like <laughs> ray wise <laughs> you know like Absolutely unfucking believable. Singing the praises like, oh, we're fucking yeah. wise, man. Yeah, yeah I, you, you, you don't understand. Like that scene in the in the in the, in, the, in the house in Twin Peaks. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's a great scene. So, so the the reason I bring him up is that he's we know already. This is this came out after the show, so we know what he's gonna do. So we see him kind of wrestling with like him being a father and loving his daughter and then this evil side of him that is compelling him to do this horrible shit to her and it goes back and forth and just the the mental torment of this girl is just fascinating it is a, like that that quote i just read where she's just like imagine how dead inside you have to be to get to the point to say something like oh we wouldn't feel anything we would just keep falling and then we'll go to hell and there's no angels right uh and then at the end of the movie they redeem it she gets an angel but she does get murdered so yeah. um because she has to. So yeah, it's there's so much to say about this movie, but specifically in the first half of the movie, there's one scene, and I'll I'll, I'll probably end with this, uh, where the detectives, uh, played by Chris Isaac and Kiefer Sutherland, they they whatever they're chasing this mystery, and it's like 3 a.m. or whatever, and they're like, ah, fuck it, you know, we want to just get another cup of coffee, keep going. And they're like, sure. So they go to Hap's Diner. It's just this diner in the middle of fucking nowhere, and uh, boy, David Lynch has a way of just constructing these sets and these. Um, industrial feeling areas with the the ambiance and the sound design and of course the score he works with angelo battlementi and pretty much everything uh after a certain movie and uh there's a scene in the back room of hap's diner which is these weirdos david lynch would just like cast people like homeless people or whoever just like weird looking people to be in his movies even if they were non-actors and so there's a scene in the back of hap's diner with a flickering 
there's like a flickering light. There's like this flickering electricity thing. And it's like very moody and very like kind of almost industrial. And the two detectives are in the doorway and they're asking like, you, you know, um, do you know, do you know where we can find so-and-so? And the guy, there's like this old man is like 80 year old man who's just like, ask Irene. Irene knows what it is, whatever. And and there's all these like trucker looking dudes. It's just, it's the most bizarre thing, but it gives you this feeling. Yes. I, and I, again, I can't put my finger on it, but it's a feeling kind of a thing. And so that was kind of the scene at which point I was just like, fuck it, dude. Like movies, right? Uh, so for me, that's what it was. For a lot of people, you know, it could be, it could be a classic movie. It could be something like that. For me, it's, it's, it's got to be a little darker and more bizarre. And this is the movie that hooked me. And so that's why it's so high up on yeah. this list that combined with the, even if you're not into twin peaks, uh, I would recommend this movie uh, just so you can see kind of the performances that he gets out of these people in the second half of the movie. There's a scene where they go to a uh, bar slash like night, like the one nightclub in uh, twin peaks where uh, they kind of whatever. Um, it's loud and you can't hear the dialogue on purpose. So they have to like subtitle the dialogue. And it's like really just about how these like old fat men, like traffic these high school girls up to Canada to get them into a brothel. And <laughs> it's dude, it is some fucked shit. Yeah. This movie's yeah. fucked. This movie's fucked from top to top to bottom. And that's why people hate it because they watched the TV show and they were able to watch it with their family. And then this movie came out and then there's, you know, Laura Palmer is just fucking naked and and uh, then she's getting raped by her dad and it's just too much for a lot of people. Um, but and then it, top, it, they probably don't understand like the Lynch stuff. He's not going to hand you on a silver platter what he's trying to say. He and so he doesn't, if, even, he doesn't want to hand you shit. Yeah. <laughs> he refuses that. Yeah. There's a whole there's a whole monologue he has his character because he's in this movie. He has and also David Bowie's in this movie so fucking good. Um there's a monologue he has in the beginning where they're, you know, he's talking about mystery and he just like does this. And like, we're supposed to know what that means. You know, like it's just David Lynch being David Lynch. So yeah, I yeah. love this movie. Yeah. I haven't. Um, so I've like my girlfriend and her brother are kind of into like some of the Twin Peaks stuff. Uh, Cause there was a revival of the show. Oh yeah. Um, and they were like into that and talking about it and theorizing about it. But I've never seen, I've never really seen, um, any of the show or this movie i've definitely heard about it i mean you know lynch is like very talked about um yeah you know all of his stuff you can't help but discuss it because there's so many levels and layers and <clears throat> interpretations and it leads itself to be talked about and it's very you know like you said it's it, you always get this eerie feeling about almost all of his work and it's like oh it's so eerie i can't think of another filmmaker off the top of my head that like nails and he so and he seems like such a like kind of happy go lucky kind of guy. He's just like really into fifties rock music and whatever. But like to to nail the feeling of evil in a movie. I mean, every <laughs> movie. I'm serious. Every movie feels like fucking evil <laughs> when he wants to show you evil. You know, uh, and it's not necessarily by showing you like gross out stuff. It's just the moods that he creates yeah, and the atmosphere and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Very fascinating, but uh, the performance, like tour de force performances, by absolutely everybody in this movie, underrated. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so we got a shout out from Aaron here. He's watching. It says our show's. What's dope. up, Aaron? Thank you, sir. Uh, he's excited to see what our number one films are. Oh yeah, well we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, Strap yeah. in. So um, all right. So my uh, number six. Um, so speaking of a quote, here's a quote that kind of sums up the thematic premise of this movie. Uh, so whoever saves one life saves the world entire. Hmm. This is uh, Schindler's list. 
mm -hmm. uh, from 1993. So, um, uh, yeah, when you undertake trying to use film to depict horrific things, it's uh, it can go one, it can go a couple different ways. Um, fortunately, Syndrome's List kind of nails it. Uh, I'm thinking of like there's there's some people who like have strong feelings about. Well, a recent ver recent uh, version of this would be uh, the Taika Waititi movie Jojo Rabbit. Some people hate that shit um, for they hate, whatever. They hate what? Like Jojo? They hate the movie. They hate that they even would try to make at all. They, 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 they try to make the, light of it. They hate the idea that you would even try to satirize uh, that time period. Just just from their people, sure. from off the jump, they're like, no, 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 no. Um, uh, what's, what was that? Life is Beautiful is another one. There are mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. for basically the same reason as Jojo Rabbit hate that movie because they're like, no, this can't be funny. Period. 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 End of story. No. 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 It makes no, you no. wonder how the X Men movies got away with it. <laughs> they with the, with their they they set up their one of their you know their villain with the with the concentration camp scenes. Yeah. Um. Maybe there's not the same audience crossover. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then there's like the actual probable disaster. We don't know, but uh, the day the clown cried, one of the most famous films we may never see. Hopefully. I'd yeah, love I, I would love, love to see it too. Yeah, I love. I would. Yeah. For those who don't know, probably this is some deep, deep, deep inside baseball kind of shit. Jerry Lewis shot a yeah. film that's basically uh, Life is Beautiful, but with him. I mean, it's before Life is Beautiful came out, but it's like trying to be a satire of the Holocaust, where he yeah. plays a clown trying to make all the kids happy before they get thrown into the fucking oven, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, it's like. Is that really going to work? We don't know. I, I've never seen the film, but you can see how there's a lot of people who just on the face of that just go, no, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> so that's sort of the, um, you know, the, the thinking of the undertaking of like how you can create a narrative feature film that tackles the Holocaust without falling into all of the pitfalls of trying to do that. There's so many, so many pitfalls that you can fall into. Um, and, you know, him and Spielberg and Steven Zalian were able to pull it off because um, you got like the highest levels of cinematic masters craft, in the world. Yeah. yeah. And they craft this, this story about this guy, Oscar Schindler, who's played by Liam Neeson. Um, and he basically like at, at heart, it's just a story of, you know, it's like the kind of Scrooge story, whatever. Rich yeah, guy, sure. mm -hmm. he's rich and he, you know, he, he thinks that money is the most important thing in the world. And he's spending all this time, uh, trying to get rich basically. And then in the middle of that, he realizes that, uh, like, holy shit, like there's human beings like war, like the cost of war is the absolute desecration and destruction of human beings and to profit from that is beyond beyond immoral and he feels he has to do the opposite he has to use all of his wealth and power to save people um there's a lot of really good stuff in the movie uh i think just like the there's this great conversation that schindler has like there's this whole thing with him and his wife so he's basically in the first like third of the movie we see him just banging every chick left and right and they're like oh shit he has a wife yeah right. Whoops. Um, and then he takes his wife to dinner, um, and then they have this interesting conversation where he's he's talking about like you know like oh I you know basically he says like if only I knew the truth of like what it takes to get rich and like I if if only I understood that I would have totally realized you know that sometimes things have to happen in order for you to get rich. It has nothing to do with working hard or anything like that. And his wife like oh is it luck? It's like no, it's war. War is the thing. War generates money. 
it's and why that, America is still uh, where it's at as a superpower. Yeah, I it's felt like all, that. Uh, yeah, that that's like a really strong kind of like nugget put in there, um, because mm-hmm. that's like a sort of secondary thing to this whole story. Is like that's something that's still true today, right? I mean, there's all these war machines still revving. Hell yeah! And you know, a lot of it has to do with just perpetuating people's wealth, pretty much. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then like the button on this whole thing with the wife is like, like the the guy in front of the uh, in front of the building like didn't didn't know that that was his wife, and she was like, "I'll only come back to you if you can promise me that uh, no one's gonna mis- mistake me for like not being your wife, and only then will I stay." And then the next shot is her on the fucking train leaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. I'll see you later. <laughs> um. Yeah, this film, and, like, again, so the other thing, too, is, like, uh, Ray Fiennes is, like, insane in this movie. Oh, he's so good in this movie. He's so good in this movie as Imon Golf, one of the truly evil in a way, you know, subtle ways and other megalomaniacal ways. Oh, yeah. Isn't the the first time we're introduced to him when he's, like, uh, sniping off of that tower? The first time we see him, he arrives in Krakow, and he's in a... uh, He's basically being shown around, and oh, okay. and yeah, he's yeah, like, okay. "I'm cold. I'm fucking cold." Like, yeah, why do we yeah, have that's to right, talk? That's right. Like, he just he just doesn't like you know. He's he's a bureau like at heart the character is a bureaucrat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a lot of the time we see him complain about the bureaucracy. He's like, "Oh, I have to I have to do I have to do all this stuff. They keep running away, so I have to create all this wire." And it's like for real, and that's the character. Like he's just yeah. he's just a fucking bureaucrat. Yeah, and he sees all of these people as nothing. It's nothing, and so, yeah, there's the scenes where he's sniping people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene where the the Jewish woman says, "Hey, you're building this thing wrong. It's gonna collapse." And he's like, "Okay, kill her." And then yeah. they kill her, and he's like, "Okay, do what she said." And then whatever, I don't give a shit. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's so good in this movie, um, and it's really like because this is a this is a fucking epic movie. It's a three hour movie. There's yeah. they go all over Europe. You see all of the stuff. And there's a bunch of stuff like I actually hadn't ever noticed. Maybe because I saw a 4K version of it. Mm-hmm. Like they really go there. I mean, there's some yeah. dark shit. There's yeah. some, and again, like it's the Holocaust, right? There's a scene I never noticed this until like recently. There's a scene where um, they're at they they move they move them off to, to the camps, and um, they took the 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 headstones of dead Jewish people and they created a sidewalk for where their cars drive. <laughs> Yeah, that's in the fucking movie. I never yeah, noticed it yeah. until I saw. I was like, "Fuck, holy <laughs> fuck!" Like that is that, and and this, and they make them pave the road with <laughs> these headstones. Jesus. It's so fucking dark, and that, but that's some real shit, right? That's some real shit, and I, yeah, it's just so much can be said about this movie. Mm-hmm. So much can be said about how it approaches yeah, this this subject matter and how it, you know. There's there's so many like those scenes where they like have to exhume the bodies and burn them. Yeah. Yeah. It's dark. It's dark. It's, it's some dark fucked up shit. And it's it's yeah. pretty amazing that they were able to pull off doing all that and still sort of create a story that's, you know, I don't know, uplifting in the end and like kind of makes it, it is. No, it totally you know? is. It is. That's the that's the Spielberg creeping in. Uh yeah. yeah we talked about this, uh, we mentioned this when we were talking about saving Private Ryan. A lot of the times, because Spielberg has such a way with um, kind of giving the audience what they want or what like what they don't know they want, you know, like giving them the payoff, like all of the kind of hitting all of those check marks, you know, and making you kind of feel good coming out of a thing. Like how impossible is it to make you feel even a little bit good coming out of a movie about the Holocaust, right? Uh, he, he does it. 
But um, it also is like when Spielberg makes a movie about like a thing or a time period, it in the popular culture, it just becomes the movie. Right. Yeah. So like there's no other D-Day movie. There are other movies about D-Day, but there's only uh, Saving Private Ryan. There are other Holocaust movies, but in the, you know, popular at least as a feature film, Consensus, I would say yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, Showa is probably if if you ask someone, they would say watch Showa. Showa is the most difficult. Yeah, but I mean, no, but I mean, like if you ask somebody off the street, you know, certainly they they would probably just pick the Spielberg version of those things. Um, and it's it's a good thing then that Schindler's List turns out to be as like honest uh, and raw as it is, because I'm not saying you can make the you absolutely can't make the PG-13 version of this movie, but like. Like you said, like he's he doesn't shy away from any of it. Uh, he does give you the the a little bit of that kind of like that turn, like you said, like the kind of the Scrooge uh, guy. Like he 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 searches his heart, you know, and he mm-hmm. discovers that oh, you know, they're human lives. And as we should say, this is it's based on a real person. Of course, uh, right, right, right. So who really right. did like it, it, do a lot of these things. I mean, we don't know what he was like before he decided, hey, I'm going to try and save people. Um, yeah, we don't know like how clear he was from the jump or whatever, but at least, and see the, again, this is like why film, like how it works, like the change makes us feel something. We want to see that in right. like most narrative films. Generally. We want to see that. We want to see Ray Fiennes get, you know, the shit Hung. kicked out of him. Like we yeah. want to see, we want to see these things and we get these things. And uh, I've, I've been, I've said this before, like I'm not the world's biggest Spielberg fan. I recognize the talent, but like, a lot like a lot of his movies are just very very um uh the the the, hap- the emotional the emotionality of it is feels manufactured a lot of the times which i mean haha every movie is emotional manipulation go fuck yourself i get that argument too but uh, for me it just doesn't do it but like i feel like i'm glad that he made this movie because it's just about like again we we kind of just get the pop culture version of of what of, of the story and I'm happy with it and I'm happy that it's R rated. I'm happy that he shows you the shit. I'm happy that um, everybody talks about the scene with the, with the little girl in the red, with the red uh, color Chrome, like the color correction and everything. So yeah, um, I like, I love this movie. <laughs> I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's again, like I said, it, it is, it is a very arduous task. Um, oh, like even trying to approach doing this because you know, there's just so many like there. Like, I mean, fortunately for him, this is like before the fucking internet was a massive thing. But like, yes, can you imagine, like, if this movie was in production, like, how many not only articles would be written on it for clicks, but like, how many, uh, like, people arguing like, oh, we were on the set of Seniors List, and we, you know, we saw X, Y, and Z, and then it gets taken out of context, and then they're like, <laughs> everyone's like, Sarah, I, Spielberg's a fucking monster, blah blah blah. You know? Yeah, I think I think again, this is why you know they have they had the right setup. The right people yeah. behind the uh, they, camera and in front exactly. of him. Like you we have, trust him, right? Inherently. Yeah, exactly. We trust him, and he's going to be above a lot of that shit. It's like, look, I'm Jewish. You can't fucking right. say that. Blah yeah. blah 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 blah. Um, I think the yeah the problem the problem is like I think the bigger problem with something like this is like then the the Holocaust denial will come out. Like that's the real problem with the internet age. Is like you get the crazy oh, shit. You get, yeah. Because I think I think there would be a lot of stuff talking about like the, there would be a lot of talk about, oh, it's, this is unfilmable, you can't do it, you couldn't succeed. When it came out, I think people would say, okay, yeah, he definitely did, he succeeded. Um, I feel like that would be a lot of the, the dialogue, but like maybe something something like, there there are other films that are like only okay-ish, 
where they could have where there could have been in this era there could have been like a lot of blowback mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. lot of blowback um especially if like the perspective wasn't the right one mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. yeah yeah but you know uh, it's i i think this film is a masterpiece and i you know again it's number six for me yeah um and yeah, i think yeah. i think it's really yeah it's a testament to like that he you know that you would even like you have to have stones to even try to do this um like yeah. it's dude it's it's a lot and he even said like shooting it was experience <laughs> for a number of different reasons you know um <laughs> right i mean imagine because you know like when you're making uh something when you're making a movie especially you are in that you are in every detail of that thing for like years and yeah. imagine imagine your head being in this you know milieu let's say <laughs> the, yeah the whole time like imagine thinking about like yeah so we're just get get the fucking uh, headstones and you know we'll put them in the thing and it's like you kind of like how hard is it to not become callous about it i don't know uh i don't know i don't know how they did it but they uh i think spielberg again i think he's the right like we, he's the right choice for this he is yeah yeah he's 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 certainly like at the highest level to me of the list of, of people that I'd want to do. Something yeah. There's, like there's, there's an element of uh, like a Capra, like I, I, in my head, in my mind of like just Spielberg movies, you know, like in general, sure. they, they, they just give us that kind of warm, fuzzy feeling inside. So, yeah. 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 Um, yeah I think that's, that's all I have to say about it. Uh, brilliant film. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, this sort of goes into my, again, my theory of like how film works. There are certain stories that are cinematic, Mm-hmm, um, I mean, mm-hmm. this certainly is. I mean, because again, like you know, this is this and like the the, the documentary Shoa also does a good job of like allowing you to understand the people, the place, and like have us go there so that we don't, you know, forget about these things that happened. So at least hopefully people will like <laughs> yeah. understand, you know, like oh shit, this is kind of similar. Maybe right, maybe not just like. Yeah, not just like numbers on a page or like reading a story for a, a, a yes. paper or something. Yeah. Yes, because when you read seven million people died or whatever, you're like That okay. sounds like a lot. <laughs> but like no one no one can actually but nobody can quantify it. Yeah. No one can quantify that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um but something like this, you see a person get shot or you see a person Dude, I know. still I I still think of uh I've only seen this movie once a long time ago. And uh I will revisit it eventually. I just like I don't have anything against revisiting it, but like I got it, the, I got it, and I got it so well the first time. But like the thing that sticks out to me the most, like I, I miss a lot of the details, I'm sure. But the thing that sticks to me about it is again that when he's sniping people off of that tower, just like for target practice, that's that's kind of the moment where I was just like, whoa, shit, <laughs> you know, like oh wow, like this is, is this real? Can can a human being like just? Do this? Yeah. Can you just be like this? <laughs> yeah. Can can humans go that that low? Yeah. The answer is yes. Yeah, they can. Um. Yeah, and then the button on that whole sequence too that's interesting is like because then he like falls in love with the the Jewish maid with the Jewish maid. Just, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then him and uh, Schindler are having these weird conversations like, oh, I'm gonna like you know you should let me take her away from here. It's like no 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 like I'm gonna take her away. I'm gonna marry her. Blah blah blah. But that's not gonna work. So I'm just gonna shoot her in the back of the head. It's like the fuck. <laughs> and that was like his that was like his present to her like yeah i'll just keep her and then shoot her in the back of the head fuck <laughs> guys are fucking crazy yeah um yeah yeah that's a whole good sequence of like him trying to convince people to create the, like creating the list and like getting money mm-hmm. and stuff like there's this, this really interesting like zalian's a really interesting writer um because there's like there's like this whole kind of montage of scenes during that sequence where 
it's it's uh Schindler like basically trying to convince people of stuff and it's just him one on one with some other mm-hmm, kind of business mm-hmm. guy who's like kind of you know he's he's another guy who gets like this is fucked up and we're you know we gotta like maybe try and save some people and it's just him like you have to do more you have to do more like like oh, I've done it I can't and no 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 you have to do it. and it's just like really good <laughs> like mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. just shows again like the transformation like going out on a fucking limb could mm-hmm. like this dude could narc on him and get him fucking killed. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. again like you got a fucking brilliant writer and a brilliant director, and these actors are really, really. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, this this is like you know, I just feel like this is what cinema is about. It can show you these things in a way, mm-hmm. you know. That's and it's very it's very digestible. You know, it's not it's not like something like a like a come and see or something where it's just like we're gonna fucking show you shit. It's like it, it does it does show you the shit, but like it it, it feels almost. For, with the intent of educating you and in the way that only film can and educating you in like what it would be like what that felt like what that time period felt like yeah you know yeah film it just it gives you a place to access certain things that's safe you know you can watch a horror movie and the alien isn't gonna kill you and you know the face hugger isn't going to inject things inside of you but you can see that and feel the fear oh yeah yeah right you can right, watch right. the thing and be like scared like holy shit that they that's something just crawled on the wall that's really scary mm-hmm. but that's not going to come after you right right <laughs> you can just you can just look at the screen and then experience it in a safe environment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and schindler's list is a way for us to experience that type of horror right and not like have to fucking go you know on the internet and see people getting shot in the head which you could see <laughs> yeah. it's fucked up yeah. of course i don't i you know i don't want to see that shit uh, but yeah. this is the closest I want to get mm-hmm, to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically. So, yeah, that's my number six. Schindler's List. Cool. All right. My number six, uh, we open our book. Uh, we, we, we open to the book of Coppola. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. Uh, Godfather Part 2 is number six. Um, I love this movie, and I like it. I like it. I keep going back and forth between like quite a lot more than the first one. And I just like it more than the first one. I think the idea is that I just, I do like it more than the first one. And um, maybe it's for personal reasons because the, like I was, I was, I, I talked a little bit cause uh, you already had this movie on your list a little bit about the specifically the veto storyline uh, in the 1910s or twenties or whatever. Yes, the 1910s. Yeah. Um, it, it, we see the whole thing. We see that, that, fucking beautiful Ellis Island uh, scene where yeah. like, you have all of these people just piled in to that, um, to that like uh, check-in kind of center. And it's like this tracking shot, I think. And you see all the people and you see there's people coughing and there's people all the, like all of this madness going on. And uh, yeah, you want to talk about like movies that, that put you there. Like that's one of those scenes for me, you know, and yeah. um, especially thinking about like from an immigrant perspective, granted, I didn't live in the 1910s and I didn't have to like settle a little Italy or anything like that. But um, it does make me think like I get very strong. Um, like I, I just think of my grandfather for, for whatever reason, like he grew up in the uh, he grew up in the like 40s and 50s. Uh, so not the 10s, but like I just for whatever reason, I feel connected to that kind of storyline. And so that's why Godfather Part Two to me is is a much more effective movie than the first one. Don't get me wrong. We already talked about it. It's on my list, right? I love The Godfather for everything that it does. But I like this, I guess, the story of Godfather Part. I, I, I like I like that he 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 found a way. He found a way like there's no reason that like obviously the studio wants to make The Godfather 2. 
sure. But there's no like, wh- what do you do? Do you just do, riff more on the five families? Do you just get more into the lore of that world? Like, what do you really do? So he found a way. He just like, I really wanted to make a movie about you know my relationship with my dad. Okay, uh, and then he figures it out. So and Coppola does that a lot. It's just every a lot of every single one of his movies almost is just like I. He has like a personal stake to it. You know, I think what was it? Um, like Rumblefish. He's just like I. I have this relationship with my brother. Boom, adapt it from this book or whatever. Um, so I, I, and I, I like the structure of it a lot. I think structurally it is an incredibly strong movie. The way that we go back and forth between yeah. um, Michael's storyline, which is he's, he's just tormented in this movie. And that's another reason why I like this movie more than the first movie. It's in a very weird way, like a darker movie. You know, then, the, then I mean, the Godfather is like not a happy movie. I mean, there's the, the there's all of this crazy shit in it, the domestic abuse and all that stuff. And it's about criminals. But I, Godfather 2, because it's about Michael and Michael yeah. is not in a good place in this movie. He's not ha- he, he's not having a good time. Michael is uh, a very dark, very, yeah. very dark. And, like, and again, like once he gets power, he just becomes just just a wraith. You know? Right. And it's so weird because you see because he's struggling so like he's fighting it so fucking hard in the first movie and then from the jump in this in this movie you see him and he is just a he is a like a specter right he is just like and again the the al pacino performance in this movie is uh you could i mean he has a lot of good performances but like probably his best like again we're talking restrained right we're talking he he's able to sit in a chair in a room and people talk at him, and he doesn't say he doesn't necessarily have to he say anything like at, a, all. at all. But you but can he has you all can the power tell the scene. exactly. You can look at his face, and you can see that he is like a hundred and ten percent like overworking. Like he's thinking about it, right? So, anyways, so that's why I love it. That's why I love part two. Um, oh, dude, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, you gotta come on, Aaron, you gotta watch. <laughs> so so okay then so i mean i don't have to get too far into it but it's just again it's just a darker storyline uh again the thing with fredo is yeah. what a heartbreak right i mean yeah. really think about it like it, it, it his brother right and uh and fredo that that scene with john Cazali on that recliner you know and then they're having in the lake house or whatever and he's just he's basically just saying like why won't you like why won't everybody love me why does you know you everybody loves you and Sonny and like, why am I like the kind of piece of shit that like nobody cares about? And I just wanted to be yeah, like, he's just like, you piece, can, you know, how can you, how can you, but like, you can kind of identify with that, right? Like, Oh if, yeah. hundred percent. Like, and the other thing too is like, yeah. again, he's, he's such a, he's such an idiot that it's not like he such wanted to, moron, yeah. it's like he wanted to portray his, his brother. Yeah. He got, but he's just not, he's not meant he's for that world yeah. is, the, is the point. He's just not, he, he should have been Michael. He should have yeah. been Mike, you know, the guy who who goes to college and then he goes to college, something. or or in Godfather Part Three, you know, Michael's son. He's just like, listen, I'm I want to be a singer. Fuck, fuck you, you know. And, and by that point, Michael's matured enough to say, like, to understand, like, maybe because of the Fredo thing, he's just like, yeah, okay, you can. I would rather you do that and be a fucking wear a dress on a stage, even though it's against everything I believe, than have another Fredo on my hands, you know. <laughs> yeah, but. To uh, kill yeah, I don't know. It's just that I love, I love, 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 love this movie because I feel like every single one of these uh, character stories is very strong. It's it's incredibly strong and yeah. it stands and on its own. I feel like this one is really epic. Like they, in this film, yeah. we open up at this this funeral procession and then someone gets sniped. <laughs> yeah, like that's the beginning of the movie, and it's like the hell. And then there's like 
you know, super text that explains what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see his mom get assassinated. She gets blown like. Yeah. It's, it's intense, dude. It's, it's fucking crazy. I mean, it's like yeah. the, the, we talked the violence in the first movie is explosive when it needs to be explosive. But like, again, this movie just, it takes it like uh, the scene where, you know, they, um, they try to, the, the attempt on his life, right. They, they shoot uh, into his house. It's like, it's very intense. Uh, don't even get me started on like, again, the acting and the, the scene with Kay with him and Kay when she, re- you know, she has that revelation to him. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but, uh, just some of the best performances and, and yeah. we haven't talked too much about Robert De Niro and the whole Vito thing. I feel the transformation again of, of that Vito character of just he'll, he's got, he's got the stuff he, right. He's got that like leadership quality. Um, but it just so happens the world that he's in, he kind of, you know, you have to do shit illegally. I love the carpet scene. I love the carpet scene. The so carpet much. scene's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's the whole so thing. fucking good. I love when uh, he kills that other guy, the other gangster, like when he kills him, I love that. Well, there's the, the that um that rooftops that parade scene where he's running along the rooftops. So cool, so cinematic, man. Yeah, where he's great. like following it along, and he he wraps his gun in the towel and shit, and then the towel catches fire. It's like that's the kind of Coppola shit. That's like the movie kind of moments that he is has a really good eye for. Um, and so everything about this movie to me is just kind of perfect. So I I, I like it a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to like about this movie. And, you know, like we were talking about before, the stuff with when they're in Cuba and, you know, they're cutting I love the all, the, all the Hyman Roth stuff. Yeah. Hyman the Roth, cake, yeah. Right. Even the guy who tries to assassinate Hyman Roth, that's 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 some pretty pretty cool shit when he just like has his yeah. guy who's all black, doesn't say shit, wears yeah, shade, yeah, yeah. and he's like <laughs> figuring out how to kill this guy. And, and before before Scorsese did it, before Scorsese just like, like we talk about Goodfellas, like there's some faces in that movie that just look like, fucking gangsters right i mean the godfather movies had like there are some faces in this movie right uh like the guy with the shades and you're just like whoa <laughs> like He's where did they find somebody. these people yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, i don't need to know you don't have to tell me i can just look at this man and i can know like i know what he's about <laughs> and i know what his yeah. i know what his purpose is <laughs> yeah so yeah 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 um, um i love it yeah i don't know there's anything else that I'd say about the film. Uh, yeah, I yeah, just, I, I, mean, we I, covered I, it. I, I think, yeah, the, the, the thing, I, I definitely think you've keyed in on something. Like the thing about the Godfather is like the Vito character is actually, he's actually a very positive guy. He's actually like a very kind of yes. warm, like you get a warm feeling from him all the time, even though mm-hmm. he is this gang overlord. You're right. Uh, Michael but is he's not, not, but he's not like, no, he, exactly. Michael he's not um, at all. He's, he's not like warm a, he's at a, all. He's a benevolent god, Vito, yeah, right? Exactly. And, and he's my, <laughs> Michael is. Michael is. Uh, he's fucking ruthless, man. He's, he's just, totally yeah. ruthless. He's just so. Ru- yeah. You can even get that in the first movie, but because this movie yeah. is like he's the dominant figure, it's just it's just this oozing presence of just like you know he's he's always like fucking looking around who's who's trying to stab me in the back. And, and that's the thing is like as ruthless as he is, he's able to. Uh, he has to keep his, you know, he always has to have his back to the wall too. And the, 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 the yeah. added anxiety and paranoia adds to his ruthlessness. And yeah. uh, it's like, a, it's like a self kind of the, the beast that, you know, is kind of just like feeding itself. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Very Absolutely. fascinating character stuff in these movies. And that, and yeah, I, I really totally. love them for that. And uh, we, and the, the performances pay it off 110%, you know, mm-hmm. like they're, they're every step of the way, everybody in this movie and in both of the movies. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. All right, so we're off to number five. We're at the top five now. Top five, dude. Okay. We're entering it. So my number five is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Da, uh, da, da, da. Hell yeah. So um, this is the first 
Indiana Jones. Um, Indiana Jones is like one of the great characters just ever, ever put yeah. this film screen. Yeah. Um, just like, you know, if you if you like look up adventure movie, right. his face comes up. <laughs> you just see Indiana yeah. Jones. Uh, and, you know, what's so great is like they were able to fuse, like they get these great writers. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan wrote the script and these great ideas. Well, it's like, it's like the Star Wars guys, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, Basically, yeah, yeah, pretty much like the guy, yeah, because he wrote uh, he wrote one of the drafts of Empire Strikes Back. And I mean, um, it's a it's a it's a Lucas idea. Yeah, it's a Lucas idea, uh, directed by Spielberg, and it's just like, hey, let's just you know, let's do like this thing where it's like an adventure serial, and you know, the guy like he's gonna run away from a boulder, and then he's gonna find <laughs> the art. Okay, uh, that uh, that definitely could have not worked out. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's like a rip off of this. That's like whatever there's yeah. some that are like kind of good i think the mummy from 99 those are hey, kind of romancing fun. the stone dude romancing the stone bob zemeckis yeah as close as we're gonna get <laughs> yeah yeah one of the one of the closest things we're gonna get yeah and, but this is like this is this is just like no this is at its peak right because you got harrison ford in this super super iconic role um this character who's just like bigger than life and of course it's he's got the perfect nemesis a bunch of nazis and this french Vici scumbag, basically, he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and but like, you know, what's funny too is like, basically, the the villain is always just Nazis in the mm-hmm. good ones. Uh, there's no real villain, at least the person, right. because yeah. there's no person who's equivalent to him. You know, it's not like okay, Darth Vader is the villain and Luke Skywalker is the is the hero. It's right, like right, 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 Indiana right. Jones, and then he just beats up a bunch of Indiana Jones and the opposition. <laughs> yeah, the opposition, and they're. You know, Nazis and some other, some chick, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I um, love, dude. I fucking love Kate Blanchett in that movie. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. That's Chewing a that's a funny performance. Chewing it up. Um. Yeah. yeah, and like, but this movie does so many things so well. It's just, it's just absolutely at the peak of filmmaking. The script is like just, just like they're able to just so efficiently do so many things, so that it's not we're not getting bogged down. You know, uh, I mean, like no one knew what the hell the Ark of the Covenant was when this movie came out. It's like that's funny. Know. That's very true. Yeah, and, and they explain it to you in like two minutes. Outside of like because outside of religious context, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even then, it's you know kind of innocuous. Like you, you yeah. wouldn't think like you could sell a movie on it. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, this movie does, and like just the adventure stuff, like all the all the scenes, like the scene where he fights that giant german dude near the yeah, yeah. Near the airplane so great yeah, yeah yeah yeah. the stuff with him on the uh on the truck where he's trying where like they have the truck that has the uh the arc and he's like fighting this guy he's fighting these guys and he's like running people off the road uh and then he's like he's like hanging on by the the bmw yeah. emblem mm-hmm. or whatever and then mm-hmm. he's like trail he's like he's like on the ground and all this stuff yeah um Daniel jones character is so because he's basically kind of like a superhero but a superhero that can like get hurt but he's yeah, still going to somehow do all this crazy shit. You know? No, he totally is, dude. He's even got the alter ego. He's got the, like, I'm a professor by day, and I'm a, this fucking crazy adventurer by night. It's, like, it's very funny, yeah, how close to, like, the template of, like, these superhero movies that we're still getting. Yeah, know? it's just the only thing is he doesn't need to, like, put on a mask or anything. He just He's both. He, he's just both. And yeah. I feel like you have to have Harrison Ford to be able to sell that. There's no, you can't just, like, be both, you know? Uh <laughs> I guess Superman is like the closest, I guess, but yeah, yeah. Superman's like a weirdo. So I don't yeah. know. And yeah, what's cool too about this movie is like they really do some stuff. Like at the end when they when they these fucking stupid Nazis like open the arc and they get 
Yeah, of course. Obliterated. Like, that's unlimited so power. <laughs> like, we see a guy's head explode. We see another guy's head melt. We see lightning come out and, and zap a bunch of people. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> so great. There's even, yeah. like, there's some great bit parts in this. Like, my one of my favorite, and it's like, he's barely a character, is Mr. Katanga. Like, yeah, they have yeah, a character, yeah. Mr. fucking Katanga. Like, that, this guy should have come back in another movie i would have loved to see like with a name katanga fuck yeah to me to me that's a little bit of that star wars dna being sprinkled in all of these one one kind of scene characters that you remember like an admiral akbar or something like that yeah you know yeah Uh, yeah yeah. i mean and of course sala um played by john rames davies who Mm -hmm. is like an incredible actor um yeah there's just all these these cool yeah it's just like i it's just fucking one of the greatest action adventure movies ever, ever. Yeah, yeah. You, I guess the only thing I can add is like you want to talk about like um, somebody operating at the height of their powers. We keep bring, we keep talking about this. Every single Spielberg movie you brought up is like at the height of his powers. You know, you could say that he's never really like not been at the height of his powers. But like I think what it is is just finding the right project for him that he's like – not, I'm not saying he's not passionate about every single movie he's ever made, but like there are some stories and there's some, cause for Indiana Jones, I feel like it's not necessarily the story, but what he really got him into it was the, the fact that he's able to basically remake a lot of 50 serials that he grew up watching. Like that is the kind of the core of, of Indiana Jones to me. Um, obviously the character's great and the story's great, but like what he's really doing and he does this throughout the trilogy is he is sometimes shot for shot, like redoing adventure serials and i love that because it's like watching a kid like play with his toys almost except he's a he's steven spielberg and he's able to do it at this at this crazy crazy high level um that's what i love about indiana jones and that's what i love about the best spielberg movies um it's similar to like the 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 best ridley scott movies is just like i i I feel i really want to you know do like an epic i want to do epic shit you know, and then he he goes and he makes Kingdom of Heaven or he makes a gladiator or whatever. Like Spielberg feels like the same way. Like he has to have an in and then he's able to be really, really great. Uh, and Indiana Jones is, is that it just feels like a he's just getting to like like a giddy kid. You know, it just you get that sense of joy out of this movie. I don't know. The, so much of it is just like seamlessly brilliant, just brilliant, yeah. brilliant, brilliant on so many levels. And yeah, this is like, you know, again, like Lucas and Spielberg and like Cosden were just getting and. You know, talk about Captain Kennedy, <laughs> who produced this movie. <laughs> but they they really, like, dude, this movie changes the way we see this kind of genre and what it can do. And, you know, there's really not, again, like I said, The Mummy is basically just this movie with different characters. And, and that was still successful. Yeah. Um, but, like, adventure movies want to be this, but yeah. none of them really can ever nail it. There's always yeah, something yeah, missing. Yeah. Like they, the the protagonist doesn't hit us the way you know Indiana Jones does, where it's just like again the definitive adventure hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cinematic yeah, yeah. adventure hero is Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's a dumb question? It's not even a question, but like I feel like the 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 Indiana Jones and Star Wars are like the one two punch kind of that like kind of start this entire blockbuster thing. Um, I mean, you can go back and you can say, oh, Jaws, and then you can go back further than that and further than that. But like, I mean, like specifically in like the comic con comic book, like nerd culture, I feel like these are the kind of movies that, that really kick that thing off. And I do think it is 
you don't Indiana Jones, I don't think can exist without Star Wars because we need to oh, sure. we, yeah. we need to we need to see Harrison Ford do his thing. And then we need to like and then you give him his own movie and then you really get to see him do his own thing. Um, I feel like that's a, that's a much easier buy in for audiences like, hey, it's the guy who played Han Solo. You know, he's doing this crazy, this wacky other movie with this guy that, you know, that made E.T. or whatever. So, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely think like, you know, again, like I was talking about in, in the alternate universe where um, instead of <laughs> instead of The Empire Strikes Back being really good. If it was instead, it was like uh, it, right. Just, what was that other movie that was the the fucking western? I forget what that movie was called. Where where it went way over budget. It was a Michael. Oh, Camino Heaven's movie. Gate. Yeah. If if that movie became Heaven's Gate instead. Yeah. Of right. Right. Being a success, like mm-hmm. maybe this movie doesn't exist, or maybe it's Prob- hard harder for yeah. them to actually get it made. I think so. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. It's, well, it's I mean, totally- think about it. They wouldn't hire the guy who wrote Empire, probably. <laughs> Or, yes, or they, like wrote on it or whatever. They yeah. would have they would have thrown him under the bus or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, it was his fault. <laughs> right. Yeah, Hollywood's Hollywood's it's it's again we we keep bringing this up. It's it's such so miraculous that things get made at all. Um, and when you have something that is like this well crafted, it's 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 good that we can celebrate those things. By the way, I mean you know John Williams, right? We got to talk about John oh. fucking Williams, like the greatest. The the to me like the only word that I can really use to describe John Williams is Titan. Like Titan is the word that like to me. He's a hmm. titan of film music. Like he is just, he is just like on the fucking route Rushmore, or like he's Zeus looking down at all the other. Oh, hey. look at you and your cute scores. <laughs> but I'm John Williams. You know, it's him and it's him. Nice and him try, Alan Silvestri. <laughs> Silvestri's pretty good. No, he's really uh, but, good. But, yeah, but he, but like he's he like he kills it, right? Like literally, I said Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you sung the. <laughs> You know, but the the, the yeah, word that comes to mind, March, you, you, know? you you say you say Titan. I think uh, earworm, earworm. Just uh, the, the, I I you say John Williams, and like instantly three or four melodies pop into my head, and like I just I know what they are. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's another match made in heaven. The two of them. You know, I was talking about Ennio Morricone and Sergio Leone. Um, but right. but yeah. uh, Luke uh, Spielberg and um, and Williams. Like, well, it's dude, because. It's because Spielberg, 90% of the time, it's because he's going for that, like, big kind of uh, pop culture effect. He's going for, like, what is the thing that is going to stick? Like, what is the most hummable thing you can give me? What is the most uplifting thing you can give me? As opposed to somebody who's just like, you know, I need, I need to really hit on these, uh, on these emotions here or whatever. I mean, he's doing that, too. But I just feel like the approach with Spielberg and John Williams is always, like, give me the sugariest like most uh the kind of like lovable the adrenaline thing. hit when yeah you're just right like, oh yeah every yeah, time because when you time. hear that that raiders march you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 right adventure adventure right. adventure yeah um, i think that probably has something to play with it but anyways if we could talk about fucking this shit all day but yeah yeah well you would you would ask like you know the nerd culture culture stuff i i think i would say if if i had to say what is nerd culture started with Star Trek, I would because that stuff because Star Trek generates yeah, yeah, yeah. discussion. I mean, yeah, the yeah internet yeah, yeah. like in the internet when the internet started, like the a lot of the big stuff. Every basically everywhere you go where people discuss something, people discuss Star. Trek. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. If it was like AOL, the forums, anywhere, people were discussing right. Star Trek, 
and Star Wars gets a lot of discussion too, but like Star Trek kind of really hits the type, a certain type of person that. Yeah, but I mean, Star kinda, Trek. I mean, the the nerd. I mean, you're right, but I, I didn't mean like the nerd culture thing necessarily, but like the theatrical kind of experience that we're so used to. You know, just like the blockbuster thing. Like Star Trek's not really like a theatrical. Thing. No, it's they, not a blockbuster yeah, thing. Not really, yeah. No. Um, yeah, yeah. It certainly, it certainly really Jaws, um, Star Wars. Raiders and Empire and some yeah. of these other, you know, I have to think about. And them. it's almost like it's it's all it's on too. it's like it's on brand too, right? It's like it's it's all coming from the same kind of group. It's like ILM is working on all of these films. Lucas is involved. Spielberg is involved. So like that probably like makes you feel uh, comfortable with the cons- yeah. like you don't have to read a review. You can say like, oh, Spielberg did a movie with the Han Solo guy. I'll go watch it. Like it, yeah. it, the, the review, I feel like doesn't matter as much. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my number five Raiders of the Lost. Okay. Park. We're in it, dude. We're in the top five. Let's, <laughs> yes. let's go. Uh, okay. My number five. Um, once again, we open our book. I admire its purity, a survivor unclouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. Alien baby alien. My number five movie of all time. Um, I put this above Blade Runner and I put this above some of the other movies, you know, um, I deliberately ranked it because I, and obviously I love all these movies, uh, alien in particular to, to start the top five is, um, cause I keep getting drawn to these like kind of, um, maybe lonely or like small idea, small kind of ensemble type movies. Uh, I'm not so big. Like you, you don't see a whole lot of huge sprawling epics on my list. I, I'm just really drawn into the like uh, scenarios and the the watching people figure things out in real time. Like for whatever reason, like I'm really into that. Um, so Alien, I admire <laughs> very. I, I like ironically like this quote. I admire its purity. Like I admire how simple the premise is. Tr- space. We're literally space trucking truckers in space mm-hmm. uh, d- d- delivering cargo who gives a fuck right doesn't matter um they get this distress signal and uh they decide they have a little squabble about it like should we go check this out should we not check this out very like primitive horror movie premise this is 79 is like when halloween came out we talked about halloween on my list already like the horror premise kind of the, the 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 mainline kind of slasher premise, right? You have a group of people of friends, and something happens, and they have to, they have to have a discussion, and not everybody agrees. Like, do we go help? Do we not help? Whatever. And of course, they end up making the choice that's going to lead them, that's going to keep the movie going forward. So they land on um, I don't was it LV two four six or some shit. Uh, they land on that planet, and um, I what I really like about this movie is that it takes its time. With so as soon as they land on the planet, there's just a lot of uh, there's not um, long se- sections of like no dialogue of just them you know they're in their suits and they're just exploring this alien world and uh, two things really stick out to me about Alien this like the kind of the set design and like the art design the yeah. I I am madly in love with their like retro futuristic thing on, on the ship. On the Sevastopol, I think it's is it not not the Sevast is it the Sevastopol? I don't know, I don't remember. Their um, ship, I think, is the Nostromo. The Nostromo. I'm sorry, the Sevastopol yeah. is, is a different thing. Uh, alien lore, everybody. Um, <laughs> I yeah. love the uh, uh, computers by way of the 70s, right? Like in a lot of movies, when you see computers or, or like you see um, 
TVs and shit, like their tube TVs, because they couldn't conceive of uh, of of like uh, a flat yeah. screen. Uh, you a, know? a TV that's like this. <laughs> I, mean, right. like, I think two thousand one actually with the tablets is like the most mind blowing shit I've ever seen that they were able to f- predict that. But like a lot of movies, uh, especially like uh, in an echelon uh, w- with a lesser budget. Like a lesser echelon, they they just did like tubes, so that there's like tube TVs all over the yeah. ship and, and stuff. And so it's I I love that aesthetic, and I love the you know Giger right. Giger is 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 all over this movie. Uh, he is obsessed with like penises basically. Um, so, um, so yeah, I just I love that really long kind of intro to this movie. It's like probably 30, 40 minutes before anything really happens. They're just exploring, and then you know John Hurt looks looks into the egg into the egg sack and uh, he gets this thing on his face and what a shocking thing after all of this silence and all of this building this atmosphere so yeah um I, i'm not gonna go beat by beat through alien because you know you know what it's about but like i again i just admire the simplicity of it and then what i really love is um just that that, that we're settled we're settled in you know it's not moving plot point to plot point it's not trying to pull us through we're settling in with these characters i love that dinner scene you know when shit hits the fan with, with the chest burster um i love all of the the the, again just watching people figure shit out when they're they're trying to figure like they they try to cut the face hugger off him and the acid blood and they're like oh shit it's got acid blood and you're the audience member you're like trying to piece it together along with the characters that's fun that's very fun for me um and ultimately you know we get down to one survivor and there's nothing i love more than a a a, a man in a room type situation in this case woman you right um what a great character, Ripley. Just everything, yeah. you know? The, the unassuming. Because in the beginning, like, imagine you're watching this in 1979, you expect Tom Selleck to be Oh, yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. You, you expect, totally. you know, one of the other guys. Um, and I'm sorry, it doesn't happen. So expert pace, expert set design. Again, Ridley Scott just Yeah, the production design is, like, probably, like, top five of all time. Yeah. yeah. Best production design. And the other one, probably, like, Blade Runner. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, like, the sets are just immaculate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of like, like you said, like that the look and the feel that they're trying to give, they're brilliant. This is brilliant, so brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's it's a very eerie film. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's like the Lynch kind of thing. It's like yeah, something's off here. Something is <laughs> not right. I don't know what it is yeah. yet because I mean, they haven't scared me, but I know it's coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the scenario kind of in, in this case, the scenario kind of like puts that forth. They just like they're on an alien planet. What what scares us as human beings, things that we don't know or things in the shadows, right? And people talk about this all the time with Alien, but, like, they don't show the alien that much. They really don't. They do towards the end. They do with the Harry Dean Stanton killing. But, like, a lot of it is the uncertainty of, like, we don't even know what this thing is capable of. Obviously, now we're saturated with all this alien media and stuff. But if you try to, like, what I again, I'm lucky that when I saw this movie, I didn't know dick about it, right? <laughs> I was able to just be really, like, the, all of it, the design, the, the 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 way that the creature, like, I was figuring it out as the characters were figuring it out. Uh, that that uh, jump scare in, with the locker with Jonesy, the cat, when uh, they've got the motion sensor and they see that there's something there and they're freaking, they're like about to shit themselves and the cat pops out of the fucking... <laughs> it's just such yeah. classic, like, yeah. m- movie, like, horror movie stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just, I love this movie so much. Yeah, yeah, it's really impressive, and it. I, I think I read somewhere it's one of the most written about films. Period. Uh, just and a lot of it has to do with like the fact that the xenomorph as an entity is is a sort of accurate allegory for some of the things that you can encounter. 
because yeah, you you human beings could easily encounter some kind of species that would mm. you know just 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 minus for uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we <laughs> see it says as a conduit to continue itself. <laughs> we are very, very squishy beings. <laughs> yeah, very warm and squishy. And, yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of just like what you say, not very meat, strong meat and liquid, and you just yeah. go burrow in there, and uh, you know, a little xenomorph pops out. Um, yeah, yeah, and it, it is kind of like you know, we talked about Star Wars, and you know, this this is another one where there is a lot of lore built on top of this film. Mm -hmm. uh that kind of you know weighs on your mind because like you know there, there's probably a lot of people maybe the first thing they saw was alien versus predator he's kind of bullshit just I, and, and that, that yeah that's yeah. that saddens me a little bit you know <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm serious or like alien three or something or, or like yeah. you know just just some or it's or so, it's one of sorry go ahead you know it's so derivative and there's so many different iterations of it out there that uh yeah, yeah like you said the first one it's like you know, we have it's no a, fucking clue. We have no fucking clue what, what we're in for. Uh, and then these things start popping out of people and then starts killing people. Um, yeah. But yeah, every other film, like the Xenomorph as a thing is super iconic. It's become so iconic, just like the creature and that's head and, and the it, tail and the course. arms. And of the, course, and the double, yeah. You know, but like, yeah, when going into Alien, we have no fucking clue. We have yeah. no and I mean... Again, consider, consider, yeah, consider if we if we don't have all of this shit, you know, blasted at us, and we have like eighteen different kinds of face huggers now. But like yeah. the first time you see that thing is when it latches onto the guy's face, and it's horrific. It's like you 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 have no frame of reference for it, yeah, and that, that that's why again the movie's called Alien. It's different. We don't know what it is, and I love that it's it taps into that very primal kind of uh part of our psyche that is yeah, just like that that I, fear I of the unknown <laughs> you know yeah fear of the other the fear of the thing like what it like yeah. it could be anything dude yeah so anyways that's the that's that's why i love this movie so much i love the 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 kind of unassuming premise of it and again this movie uh kind of a blockbuster actually now that i think about it when it came out like it did really well like people were talking about it and they kept lining up to see it mm -hmm. um because it was different it was it was again halloween and alien are kind of like the the yeah. the prototypical like poppy kind of um also alien has one of the greatest trailers of all time yes um, i don't know if yes. you've seen that that trailer the trailer is insane but yeah, it, and it's, it's good because it doesn't give you anything <laughs> gives yeah. you nothing you don't know shit but it's like okay mm -hmm. it's kind of i'm i'm scared of something <laughs> something's yeah coming. yeah and you know what it is it's 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 space that that trailer just shows you space and you, you don't know you don't know what's out there and that's kind of like the whole uh, the crux yeah. of the movie i think yeah you just don't know what's out there yeah it's like bugs you know like bugs like th there's probably bugs living uh, like underneath your floorboards or some shit like if you really think about it that could freak you out i guess so yeah Oh you man, ants, ants get ants get everywhere, man. Fuck, I They're hate ants. They're unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. They're a machine. Yeah. yeah. But uh, this is a, and also this is a great like movie to watch and rewatch with people, like friends, new friends, uh, people who've seen it, people who haven't seen it. I mean, watching this movie with somebody who's never seen Alien but they're aware of Alien, right? They're aware of like the the Xenomorph, commercials and yeah. the toys and like you can get fucking facehugger and xenomorph plushies these days but like to watch this movie <laughs> not not aliens not james cameron's oorah brother you know which we talked about it's on both of our lists but we fucking love that movie too but that's a, a more digestible movie i feel like maybe in a way but like to show this to someone who has no idea what they're in for is a treat <laughs> you know yeah yeah and it just it just makes you aware and afraid of like hey maybe you shouldn't look into that thing 
you know, look down right. at that thing when you hear something, just mm-hmm. fucking stay away from it. And and the false ending in this movie too. That that when you think that she's got him, you know, and she's just ready to go back, and it it and he's just she's in her little pod, and then you see the Z, that shot of her in the pod and the xenomorph like in the fucking like wall or whatever. <laughs> it's so it's so scary. It is. I'm 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 tingling right now. It is so scary because yeah. that thing has been that that thing is in the room the whole time in that scene. <laughs> she just she doesn't notice it, he's and it's just it. fucking waiting. Oh my yeah. god, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a good. It's a great movie. It's, yeah, one of the best horror movies of all time. Absolutely, yeah. Easily. It's very high on my list because I I just love it. Yeah. Cool. All right. So my number four. We're going back to Italy. We're going back. We're going. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly from 1966. Yeehaw. Oh yeah. Um, like I said, I have a really strong connection with this film. Uh, you know, this is this is probably one of the first westerns I ever saw, and I watch it with my dad a lot. I've seen this many times with my dad. So I'll forever think of him when I think of this film, which is oh, that's cool. you know, another layer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this like me, and, and, uh, me and my grandpa with The Godfather, right? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, it just gives you that warm kind of nostalgia yeah, feeling. Yeah. You, can't, you can't replace that. Um, mm-hmm. This film's kind of crazy. It's, a, it's an epic three-hour kind of movie. <laughs> um, about Dude, these, it is an epic. Yeah. <laughs> about <laughs> these random characters. And the only one that's really a character is Tuco. Uh, the other two are kind of just like, you know, avatars for a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And so it's, uh, Oh, who's, who's it? So it's, um, Clint Eastwood. Yep. Um, Lee Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef. And, uh, Oh, who plays Tuco? I forget his name. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I just watched Godfather part three, like five times. Yeah. Yeah. Eli Wallach. Eli Wallach. <laughs> Eli Wallach yeah. yeah. Uh, as the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're all amazing in different ways. Um, I think I really feel like Tuco makes this well i mean the fact that uh you know clint can like say nothing and just fucking he just hold the screen exist. yeah doesn't have to say shit and yeah with that oh man like his character is like super iconic in this because he gets the poncho yeah uh and like when he gets that poncho it's like okay i mean he's got it, well the thing is it's 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 a little meta textual too because he has the poncho in the other movies and he has it like the whole time in the first movie i think so like when it, the movies are like not related story wise, but like yeah. thematically they are. And so like when you get to that poncho scene and the good, the bad and the ugly, and you've seen the other ones, you're like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's all, it's all kind of like he was, he was iterating on the same idea, the same mm-hmm. idea, the same characters, you know, like the same character, but like keep uh, making it over and over and over again, but like find a better way to tell that same story. And so, um, yeah, this is like of the like the man with no name stuff. Like this is the best. Yeah, for me, I love this film so much. Um, again, the the music is unfucking like the the motif every character has. Yes, is yeah. so fucking amazing. Um, you know, another scene that's amazing is like the ecstasy of gold scene, uh, where it's just you know again just like the perfect combination of sound and images to yeah. evoke. An emotion uh and it's just it's just a montage of this dude running in a fucking yeah so that <laughs> so that scene um my mom again my this is one of my mom's favorite movies she asked me like because uh, she's like oh you know how movies are made now apparently so she was like so how do they shoot how how, how do you shoot something like that like when the, the specifically when tuco is running into the graveyard and the background is blurred because you know they're like um they're they're tracking so fast you know and i was like it's it's very simple it's what you see there's nothing like to it right um other than just they planned it that way they shot it that way and she was like i think what she was asking is 
not how do you shoot that is like how do you make me feel that way you know yeah <laughs> i think that's what it because was that's all editing that's yeah. all editing and music uh, and and that song that 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 when that swells you know the uh, yeah. Uh, yeah 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 and then it like kind of goes lower and then it like picks up again yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and you know yeah oh man that song is like yeah emote <laughs> right right like you feel something you're just like i'm, I'm yeah. going um yeah. by the way so this this whole movie is about treasure hunting basically <laughs> yeah that's they're, look, true. They're, they're looking for two hundred thousand dollars in gold yeah. it's supposedly buried somewhere and then someone whispers that into clint's ear at some point and so that keeps him alive there's this whole cool. yeah it's, it's crazy there's this whole scene where they where tuko gets the one up on him and he's like dragging him out in the desert and he's like dying and he's laughing hey. that, dude that scene is fucking intense that's that this scene's very intense of, of, like i mean he's like that close to dying yeah and like the way they did his like makeup for like chapped lips and shit yeah, like i i, I kind of felt it yeah yeah he's fucked he's fucked in that scene yeah um uh, yeah, and just you know, again, the Tuco character, I love. I like they like the Tuco character is really kind of underrated because he's so you know they they do a lot of characterization for him. Like there's a yeah. scene where he meets his brother, and his brother mm -hmm. is like part of the the you know he's, he's part of the church pretty much, and um, he like you know he says like hey yeah you became you joined the church but I had to steal and be a thief and it was one or the other and that's what i chose because i'm not a coward or whatever <laughs> <laughs> you know but that's basically yeah. that's that's basically why we get the explanation of why he does what he does and like he's actually a really strong character um and then of course you know one of the great one-liners of all time some dude comes to jump him and yeah he's, and yeah he's in the bathtub and the guy's like blah 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 blah, blah and then he like blasts him from the bathtub and kills him and he says if you're gonna shoot shoot don't talk <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. been ripped off a couple times uh it was in what was that it, it was in some terrible fucking movies anyway uh it's good in this movie um mm -hmm, mm -hmm, van mm -hmm. helsing it's in van helsing ah yeah we, i think we talked about this last time yeah yeah not good not good yeah not good fuck you van. um <laughs> and of course at the end of this movie is three guys standing and staring at each other for like eight minutes nine minutes or something like that this is this I, is. I, it might shit. be eleven minutes or something. It's this is the cool. shit I come here for. This is like why I love the Leone movies. Again, yeah. it's that montage that and like it, yeah. It's just pure cinema, man. Yeah, it's right. Just, it's just images and sound, and like and, there's so many and, intricate and little the, things going on. In the in the stuff working in your brain, right? It's images and sound, but like the story and the tension is is all kind of yeah. It's and it's so drawn back. out from like the the first beat of like yeah you know they're like all going out into a triangle and like you know Tuco like kind of goes for his thing and then like you know the bad dude is just like looking at him watching watching him watching him and it's like he's like does it slowly slowly yeah slowly. yeah just it's brilliant it is yeah. brilliant like the fact that you can it's literally three guys standing and staring at each other mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you can make that you know cinematic you can make that tense you can make that something and then you add layer of the sound on top and it's just like fucking brilliant yeah it's fucking brilliant yeah it is it is um yeah i mean i it was already on my list we already talked about it um i just i knew we just talked about leone too it just again what i what i really like about him and again the the, the western backdrop doesn't really do it for me as much as the and maybe that's why it wasn't as high on my list um as much as like the, the film elements and they're, they're so strong. It's, it's just, I think the way I would describe Leone is just, he's a very compelling director. 
you're yeah. just you're in for the for, from the first frame you know even if you're like oh this is an old movie this is going to be boring i don't have the attention span for it i feel like it hooks you in a way uh because you're just like the beginning of once upon a time in the west or like the ending of this movie you're just like watching you're like you're glued to the screen because you're like what the fuck is gonna happen next you know it's just pure cinema like you yeah. keep saying yeah yeah and he really does a great job of like you know taking the stuff the john ford stuff that yeah. type of mythos taking it to a whole nother level uh it's just like on a whole nother level of mythos like it, it like this shit is like really mythic <laughs> Honestly. It is. Yeah. I get annoyed when people talk about these movies, the Leone movies in the context of like spaghetti Westerns. Obviously they are, but like that diminishes it a little bit or like it devalues it a little bit because, you know, you think spaghetti, you're thinking like schlock and sh there's a lot of schlock Westerns and I like those too. <laughs> but this is like, this is a level of cinema that like is completely removed from like, it has nothing to do with the fact that it is a spaghetti Western. I think, I think it's just, it's so well-crafted that like it's not necessarily fair to, to lump it together with the rest of the, you know, uh, spaghetti shit. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, for sure. It, it really ascends the, you know, it's like the Tarantino kind of shit. It's a Tarantino thing. It elevates the B-movie. <laughs> yeah, elevate yeah. that B-movie, but like yeah. still be a love letter to it. Because, um, mm -hmm. yeah, this these films really kind of like, I mean, they're, they're again, they're, they're the highest Westerns on my list. Yeah. And it's really incredible. Um you know just like the level of the level that they go to with the music and the swelling and like the the, the really deliberate like the way that he just imagined a gu a, a duel <laughs> a gun duel yeah right people yeah like what the fuck was it like like and this may not even be the best thing that was in his head it was just the closest oh, yeah. approximation he maybe had something even more epic that was even more elongated and like you know, there was more like, like if we could understand what what they thought even deeper. Oh my God. I think about know? that sometimes <laughs> I, when I watch movies, I like, I would love to, 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 to be able to poke some, like a lot of these people are dead now, but like, I would love yeah. to be able to just be like, what, what were you thinking? Dude, <laughs> you know, the shit, the shit in his head for these gun battles, man. Right. It must've yeah. been like, like, Oh, then he does this, but that means this. And then yeah. he does that. And then it, we look at his eyes. Cause that's him understanding it. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable yeah. it's again the marker you, you feel the hand of the director you feel like this yeah. is somebody who knows what he's doing yeah yeah just like going from super wide to like just your eyes Gee, that's that's illegal you can't do that we talked <laughs> we, we talk about this um it was, an, it was another interview i saw that same interview with de palma and scorsese they were talking about um orson wells and they were talking about how like orson wells was breaking rules and like uh well how, what, how, what do you think about that and it's just like it's 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 obviously it's a net positive that he did that right because if you were to make a movie in the 40s like Citizen Kane for example uh, you you would be told no <laughs> for like everything he did in that movie so yeah I love that somebody from Italy can just fucking get a bunch of money together with some like Spanish from German co-production and just fucking do this you know because he just has that talent for it totally yeah brilliant shit um I think that just about covers it uh, there there's mm -hmm. there's there's a lot this is a there's well, a this lot is in this movie. one of the most talked about movies of all time. Yeah. 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 Not to mention like there's this whole subplot with <laughs> him and him, like uh, Tuco and Blondie just like scamming people where they, 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 they bring in Tuco for whatever 
um, crimes he's done. He gets the oh uh, yeah, he gets the money. They split That's... the money, and then he shoots him at the last second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's uh, and it's really funny too because they go on and on and on like oh he raped her and then he slapped her and then he did this and then he robbed this guy and then he killed this guy and then it keeps getting longer and longer it's and longer. So funny, yeah, so it's funny. really funny. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah, show. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and it's just really great too. Like again, these guys like they understood. The western right mm-hmm. they he knew i need to get lee van cleef to be the villain yeah this movie. i need to have i, I, mean, I, I honestly we i think leone is the guy he is the guy fuck what i just said about you know scorsese and uh you know uh whatever else like when we're talking about uh, coppola right getting those faces in these movies i leone's the guy he he doesn't matter what your acting experience is if you have the right face like so much of his movies are about like putting that face up it's on just the a face yeah. yeah 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 i mean it's like like at the beginning of once upon a time in the west it's like scatman mm-hmm. brothers and these other two guys yeah these guys that just look like oh yeah yeah they, <laughs> right? right they just look like how, where do you find the like they you just they're just part of that image oh and the guy the cross-eyed guy yeah like they're all just <laughs> yeah. like right? yeah <laughs> they just look like the henchmen right they look yeah, like the yeah. fucking henchmen you know yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and in this one, some good stuff too. There's like, uh, who is it? There's some. I think I believe it's a. They 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 get they get caught up in this this thing where they're gonna blow up this bridge, and there's some. Oh my god! Shit out of uh, holy shit! The bridge bad. sequence is so yeah. crazy. It's so crazy to me that in this movie, in the third act, there's like a war scene. Like <laughs> straight up, there's a siege. There's an entire siege in this fucking movie. It's so crazy. Yeah, and, and that's and that's like the B plot. That's like that's like yeah, that's like passing that by. Um, that's like it reminds me. There's a scene in uh in um it. it there's a scene in Mad Max Fury Road, like when Furiosa, like they're going to like Bullet Town or whatever, and you mm. see Bullet Town, and you just see like all this stuff happening, and then they yeah. veer, veer off, and they fuck off, yeah, yeah, like that's a whole other story, like like, yeah. and, and that one shot sells a yeah. whole other story that we don't even see, and then they're just like, Arr. yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, what yeah, this movie yeah. does. It's like, oh, by the way, we're gonna blow up this bridge. By Arr. the way, yeah, yeah, war, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, moving right on. Yeah, yeah. It's but part like, of, it's part of like the Odyssey, kind of like the epic nature of the movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It just like give you a, like a little taste, so you understand the bigger milieu. Yeah, um, yeah. While not getting bogged down in that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the, the there's like some military guy who's like being the shit out of Tuco, and he's just like this big fat like <laughs> like kind of yeah, like, <laughs> and he's just like remember, like yeah. like you're just like okay, this is a scummy piece of shit guy. Just mm-hmm. from the jump. I mean, Tuco's a scummy piece of shit guy, but like this guy is the caricature. He's like the stereo, the archetype, right? <laughs> piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost like he gets some some silent kind of kind of faces, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, the, again, he is just the the master at the getting yeah. the faces. Cool. Yeah. So that's my number four: the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Very fun. Very fun discussion. I I I like that a lot. I like. I love that yeah. movie. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we're at number four, huh? All right, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play a sound clip for you. I think. Hold on. Uh, don't do this to me. I'm excited. Well, I I am too. Let's see if it works. Oh, I hear it. Oh, it's dark. Let's fuck. I'll fuck anything that moves. <laughs> so, this is me, baby. We're back to it. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine imagine Dennis Hopper in a leather jacket 
and he walks into he walks into this fucking room and there's this woman who's like naked underneath her um uh, underneath her robe and she's sitting in a chair she spreads her legs then dennis hopper takes out a fucking uh, like an inhaling, like an in, like a like it's a eth- like a yeah. like a gas tank, right? And, and, he, mask, and he starts yeah. inhaling, and then he starts saying shit like "baby wants to fuck," you know. It so this is without a shadow of a doubt um, the like one of the closest uh, stylistically, thematically. Um, I, I'm running out of words to explain like the the mood that I love to see in my movies. Um, so number four is Blue Velvet. David Lynch's yeah. Blue Velvet. And now this is the David Lynch movie. Clearly, I like David Lynch a lot. But this is the movie where he becomes the David Lynch that we know. Uh, this is the post-critical darling. I mean, he's always been a critical darling. But, like, he really started off incredibly high. Like, like art, like, really well-regarded, you know? Because he was, he was, he did Eraserhead, which was just, like a like, a masterpiece of surrealism. Uh, Elephant Man, which got a lot of Oscars. Uh, Mel Brooks put that shit together. Um, And then, you know, he got lost in the sauce. He got lost in the system. He didn't really know how to navigate it. He ended up making Dune, right? Which is, uh, in his words, I quote, a great sadness. Um, That movie for him. So he doesn't doesn't like to think about it or to, to watch it. But Blue Velvet is... And I, I've, I've read about this movie a lot. I've spent a lot of time digging into this movie. It's like his uh, kind of getting the band back together. It's like his spiritual kind of like rebirth is this movie. Mm-hmm. And how and so what is so what does he do? He gets Dennis Hopper to fucking inhale helium and scream. Let's fuck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just do all this crazy shit. So but it is every everything is in like all of the lynchisms are in this movie. It's the first movie he did with Angelo Badalamenti, the score. He the, he's like a the, the jazzy kind of moody score that like he made really well known in uh, Twin Peaks and stuff. Um it's the first mo- uh, it's his second movie back with Kyle MacLachlan. Um he's got Laura Dern in it. The, those are his regulars like till the end of time. They are his yeah. ride or die, like, right? Still up to today. <laughs> ride or die. Right. So it's, it's, and, and Dennis Hopper, I, I, I have a feeling when we do the stats wrap up episode, um, Dennis Hopper is going to probably be one of the, the, the most recurring actors on my list because he's just such a unique presence. And in this movie, it's, it's, it's just the best Dennis Hopper performance, uh, presence, whatever you want to call it. He is so utterly unhinged in this. I mean, he is like Jack Nicholson levels of just oh, insane. Yeah. Um, it, it is certainly up there with like the Jack Torrance kind of shit of just yeah. unhinged, deranged, just bizarre, frightening, unpredictable. Being. Yeah, I love I love that scene with the, the, the let's take a ride scene where he takes Jeffrey Beaumont, the Kyle McLaughlin guy. They walk up to the door to his like the Sandman or whatever. And he's like, what do you drink? You know, and he's the guy's like, I don't know, fucking Pabst Blue Ribbon or sorry, uh, Heineken. And he's like, Heineken, fuck that shit. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Like, it's just so it's like these character moments. But um, so alongside all of these things, what what the true lynchisms about it is the, the very the, you get everything you need. To understand about David Lynch or like rather his motif kind of in the beginning of this movie. Uh, it starts out with the 1950 song Blue Velvet. You see the white picket fence. You see the the idyllic 1950s neighborhood. You see like the America like that's been sold, right? The, 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 the commercialized suburban kind of America. And then we see 
we you know the, the front lawn or whatever the ear i don't think we see the ear yet actually but we see like the lawn and then the camera like moves yeah. down underneath and then you yeah. see the the bugs and then you the see bugs. the creatures down there and then the the, the sound design just kind of gets kind of fucky uh and uh so there's a so so that that's basically it that's basically david lynch is like saying um here's kind of how we go through our day-to-day how we perceive kind of what we think life is like or what we think life is like in this country or in the system or whatever you want to call it and here's the equal amount of evil that exists it's it's always there and that's that's kind of his entire thing that's why twin peaks is what it is and that's you know some of the other movies we talked about it's it's not that there is good and bad light and darkness the the dichotomy it's that they're both they coexist 100% of the time you know so for every neighborhood you know you have in every one of those neighborhoods you have a frank booth right the Dennis Hopper character you just have a fucking evil guy um there's so many there's so many great shots in this movie that i love there's um there's like a rear not a rear projection necessarily but there's like um one of the scenes where there he's like uh staking out basically this like warehouse and it's like at night and it's really industrial and you just hear a lot of clanking and shit and you see like uh these factories with like the billows of smoke and shit and you see like the the machinery kind of just like churning and it's like a shadow it's very noir it's like projected on the on the on the side of this factory uh really really noir stuff um because it's about you know basically this kid gets himself involved whatever his head he finds a severed ear and then um he just he discovers the the underbelly of, of his town essentially and um it's kind of like a private eye thing he gets involved with the girl that's you know more noir shit right he gets involved with this girl who's like way you know kind of he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing with her but like they have a little romantic affair she but she's you know frank booth is holding his her kid above her and so he's trying to help her out so it's all of the kind of noirisms but filtered through david lynch it it, that 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 mood it creates and it, it makes no sense that he gets so fucking dark in his movies like frank booth is like an unbelievably like not okay character <laughs> uh for for somebody that like we 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 love david lynch we we love him he's such a positive influence on film but his movies like this there's like uh, there's like 150 fucks in this movie like it's insane you know it's crazy but that's what he's showing us so anyways i'll shut i'll shut up about it i really like david lynch i really like blue velvet blue velvet is probably my favorite lynch movie i feel like blue velvet is the most approachable Maybe truly Lynch film, mm-hmm. like obviously straight story and uh, Elephant Man. You could show yeah. that to anybody and they get right. it. That's not like but, Blue Velvet or um, you know. That's more like yeah. That's more like the art side session. of him. You know, like mm-hmm. the the I'll paint you a I'll paint you a picture kind of side. Yeah, yeah. This is like the dark. Who knows? Well, this is like, this is. I know? feel like this is <laughs> this is like his core kind of like his message, right? Like what he wants to get out. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, this film is like very visually just like stunning. And like, there's just a lot, you can tell there's a lot of layers of texture. Uh, yeah, it's just like super cinematic. And like one shot that really stands out to me, there, I forget exactly what the, the, the image is, but like something really fucked up happens. And then he cuts to like, it, it's like a candle or something. It's like, mm. it's like something that's lit. It's like a candle. Oh yeah. And you uh-huh. see it like, like, like it get blown really hard. Yeah. 
uh, and and like the lighting is is I think there's like a blue tint in the light of that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can tell. Okay, this this is inferring some. It's it's, it's, it's he's it's using film wind. language. Yeah, he's using film language to try and translate something to me. You know, I, I don't know he, if I can. You know, he does that. He does that. I mean, I've and I've I've more or less studied him. He does that so much, and it, it's in every scene. Like you have to rewatch this shit, but like. Yeah, he does that so much. Like you're, like like you said, like using the language of film to convey this thing that you may not be under, like consciously working through, but like subconsciously you're getting it. Whether it's through the atmosphere, through the through the the the, the sound mixing, the music, you know, whatever. Like he's able to get you to understand that when you see that candle blow out, it freaks you out a little bit because it like. It's like something good in the world, like a light is being extinguished. You know, the evil yeah. is is having a good day that day. It kind yeah. of, you know, it's, and mixed it's, with, with the color, which gives you another strong feeling because you've seen that a lot in the movie. So those two things line up, and then we're like, okay, yeah, I, I feel, I feel like, like, whoa, it's like, like this is not happened. good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like, I love that shit. I love, I love yeah. that shit. And, and moreover. The reason that I'll I'll end with this, the reason that I love this movie specifically, and it's so high up my list out of all of his other movies, David Lynch is one of those guys that like people don't really know what to do with him, really. Um, they'll say that like like his movie, like again, Mulholland Drive is considered to be like the greatest movie of the 21st century so far. Um, by according to whoever, right? According yeah. to yeah. But like it's it's one of those. And um they can't quite put their finger on it, but like he's kind of a neo-noir guy, right? I mean that's he's he's borrowing a lot of those elements and that's why i love about this movie in particular is that it's it's the reason that i have taxi driver on the list and some of these other movies is that like it's able to really show us the darkness right it's able to give us that kind of story and then like really show us like that with the with the violence and the language and the nudity and stuff and i mean i don't know you can call me crazy but like i i re- I, I like that <laughs> Yeah. 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 This film's really brilliant. Um, just a quick aside on this. I, there's, was it the squid and the whale? I think that Noah Baumbach movie, there's like mm-hmm. a scene where, where they watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Really yeah. cool. I love that scene. And then they like leave like, yeah, that was a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> like there's such an artsy type of, like they're literally the only fucking people in this theater. They're watching blue velvet. And then like they, the scene they show is like, like some of the most fucked up shit. Yeah, like, of one course. Of really fucked up scenes uh, when he's like snoring the ether. Yeah. They're like, hmm. they're like, they're like watching it, and they're like, "Don't oh, fucking look at me!" <laughs> it's daddy it's shithead. Man. Where's my bourbon? I love this. This movie's great. This movie is really good. And it, yeah, like it's like you were saying, like that whole opening. It's like all cute. She wore blue, and, and then you just yeah. like it goes lower and lower, and it's just mm-hmm. tracking down. You see the fucking bugs. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, it's like the, it's the like, most it's 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 very like it feels like his coming out party. It's like, all right, motherfuckers, like this is a this is about as on the nose as I'm ever going to get is with this opening scene. Right. The rest of the my fucking life's work, whatever. But like, do you get it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. everything else is just kind of an extrapolation on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, was well, it's, it's Isabella Rosalind's in this, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. she's amazing. Uh, oh, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's just man you talk about just like putting people through some shit in a movie yeah no he really did he really did and what i love about it is when you read you watch interviews or like you read about like the people who like actors in particular he is he is one of the most highly rated like actors 
like favorite directors. Like they love mm-hmm. working with him. They have nothing but good, positive things to say about working with David Lynch. But then you watch these movies, like especially like even in Mulholland Drive, right? You there's like a scene where like you know Naomi Watts is like violently masturbating, right? And, and so you're like, he's he's got a he's he's such a master at like get making these people comfortable and getting these types of performance. Like there's a scene yeah. in this movie where like, you know, like they, again, he puts them through the shit. I'm not going to get too descriptive with it, but like, it's not pleasant stuff, but like they always come out of it and they're like grateful for, for having done it. So, um, he's, he's definitely one of the better, like, um, I think act actors, directors probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. All right. So number three, numero trace. So Dude, top three, yeah, my number three is Blade Runner from 1982. Uh, we've talked a lot about this movie, both from the sequel and you know, uh, you know, it's on your list it's in your top ten as well. It, it judged me. Yeah, I just talked about it. Yeah. Um, what else is there to say about this movie? I just, I just think that you know, it, it's it's super brilliant and it's very beautiful and it's well like shot and like all like this is another movie where he used everything he could at the time to make the most cinematically brilliant yeah. film that he could. Yeah. Um, the, the things that really stick out to me the most about this movie, definitely the opening, the opening scene is just like so beautiful. So cinematic. It's just, just, you don't have not a word is said. And from the minute that you see the landscape and you see the fire and you see the eye and you see the fire in the eye, and then you like go closer and closer and the music and you go closer yeah. into that. Uh, that pyramid and then it's like like shifts down to to where that guy's about to do the interview with the replicant all of it is just brilliant um this this movie it's one of the most well shot well lit yeah films i've ever yeah. seen so okay here's a funny story so i was the other it was fairly recently it's probably within the last three weeks i listened to the ridley scott track and he was talking about <laughs> this is really funny and like I sort of have these theories about like film, like what is film? What makes film a film work? And my mm-hmm. theory is basically film is mostly it's a mostly a director and actor driven uh, medium. Sure, yeah. If you get a really good director, you're probably going to get a really good film. If you get a really good actor, at least the performance is going to draw people into the film. If you get mm-hmm. both, you're going to get a really good film. But I think film isn't a lot about the writing. That's more like a novel or some or other play. Or maybe. Yeah, playwright. Yeah, yeah. The, that they have more power. But in film, you have to create images that evoke a feeling. Mm-hmm. And there was this one scene where um, basically he had this idea where he was going to shoot lights down. In the, so they're in this. Uh, it's like when JF Sebastian brings what's her name to his apartment, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to shoot some lights down, and we're going to have them moving like their searchlights." And people mm-hmm. are like that doesn't make any sense. Like, what? Like, where are the lights coming from? Why are they doing that? And he's like, yeah, well, they're coming from you know, there's some kind of machine that's always shooting the light down so that they can like see the 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 um like the flying cars or whatever. And people are like that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, fuck it, who cares if it doesn't make sense? Yeah, right. Because it looks beautiful. And they walk into this building and there's lights going all over the place and it's dark and it's contrasty. Yeah. And no, I've never, never did I ever think where do these lights come from. Like I right. never thought that, and then like in that scene, I was just like, "It looks fucking beautiful." Mm-hmm. It's it's just like it's cinematic. Seeing lights move yeah. is cinematic, and you just like get a feeling. You get some kind of like it's different. It's totally different than what we live in in our everyday life. Yeah, and so in a way, you like feel like you're in the future. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's just that simple. And he does a lot of stuff like that. Like we talked about the production design. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it was really brilliant. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I saw this interview with, uh, it was uh, uh, almost and uh, Sean Young were talking about this film. It was like maybe three years ago. And oh, he was saying cool. like the, the product, like the minute he walked onto the set, he was like, the production design was insane. He knew it was a big deal, the film, because it was just mm -hmm. like, it, it looked, it looked yeah. like, he also had some funny stuff about like his character. Like basically they kept putting him in scenes and he didn't have anything to do. So then he started <laughs> with the origami shit. Yeah. 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 Like that's kind of where that came from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they kind of, you know, had that whole Deckard mm -hmm. story arc kind of part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, I also like the first time when he like meets um, when he meets what's his name like when they go when they go to the Tyrell and he meets Tyrell and he meets Rachel. That scene is fucking gorgeous, oh, man. Oh man! It, when oh, you're man. looking out at what is the city and it's just like these these pyramids and the sun is there and it's it's all just like framed. It's almost like a Kubrick esque kind of framing. Mm -hmm, uh, it's mm -hmm. just so beautiful, and he's like, you know, it's too there's too much light in here. We gotta gotta put the shades down and then he like pulls it down and then it gets Dude. darker and darker yeah and you and you know what i really scene. like about that scene is um when she i think she says like do you mind if i smoke or whatever and then she starts smoking and then like it, it could not be any more like film noir than yes. that with with, it, it, with the way that the smoke is layered in into that scene and just that shot of her with, with the eyes right with the like android eyes like the colored eyes or whatever yeah. with the cigarette and the smoke i mean it just could not be more evocative i, I don't know how to describe it like it just could not yeah. be any more yeah that that is just like just smashing the noir just stamp it, you know, print, print that, you know, we're, we're good. We got, we got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, sh that scene is fucking brilliant. Um, yeah. And then like the end of this movie, which just goes into just like some purely cinematic kind of craziness when he's like at this apartment and then, uh, Oh yeah. About to kill him. Uh, what's his name's about to kill Roy him. Batty. Yeah. Roy is just like fucking, he's out to die or whatever. And he's like putting the nail through his hand and he's bashing yeah. his head through the wind. It's fucking the, crazy. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then like once they get on the roof too, like he just, he just goes all in on just like, I'm going to just throw the cinema at you. I'm yes. going to give you everything. Smoke, light, yeah. <laughs> low angle shots, moving mm -hmm. in on a low angle mm -hmm. shot with the smoke. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to make the most cinematic shots humanly imaginable. Yeah. And yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. throw it all at you and you're just mm -hmm. going to have to take it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it all leads up to that moment when he jumps across the thing and uh, yeah. he just, he saves him because, you know, he, he sort of sees the humanity in him and then gives yeah. a speech. Um, that, yeah. What an that, incredible, it's, 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 it's all of the elements combined. It's the speech, it's the performance, it's the rain, right? It's the, again, the lighting, the way that it's, uh, kind yeah. of yet yeah, the fucking the pigeon or whatever, like all of it, man. Yeah. He's so holding good. the pigeon. Yeah. 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 It was funny too. Cause he was like talking, uh, Ridley was talking about it. Like they, they really had some dude jump across. He said it was like 15 feet or something or whatever. Like some, I th some, yeah. some, some guy did actually jump that and like for real and like jump into a fucking metal beam. 
and I mean, I don't know. I didn't. I don't think I've listened to the commentary track. I've just I've seen the 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 documentary. Now, like I've read a lot of the stuff, but like I, I I've seen I've listened to his commentaries on a lot of other movies. I love how he speaks. Like I get this feeling that like even when he talks about the movies that he's made, he sounds like he doesn't give a fuck about them. Like, do you get that at all? Like he's it's just like kind of he's just kind of nonchalant about Dude, it. Dude, he, like, yeah. he he's he's the type of guy he just moves on to, to new yeah stuff. like he'll talk about it and all that but he's not nostalgic he just moves on like it's like almost easy for him to be like yeah we shot this yeah moving on well because and, like and we're over here talking about the like you know <laughs> he's, he's he just he just works man he fucking yeah. works uh I, yeah. I saw this other interview where he was, he was uh it was him and the writer for um what's it called raised by wolves and you know they're doing this interview and they're talking to him and like while he's doing the interview he's like drawing shit yeah <laughs> he's literally drawing and he's like hey really like the interview's like hey really what'd you draw he's like oh well, i just drew this this car or something i was just thinking of a car so i had to draw it and like like he's just constantly just this, his mind's going man his mind is going he's it's like he's, very, he doesn't have time yeah. to like to like reminisce about a fucking movie he's, yeah yeah onto the and, and like he said he said i don't have the patience to be a writer because mm-hmm. in the time that I would write one thing, I could make three movies. I love that. Yeah. And so, and, and he was, dude, and then he was talking about uh, the latest movie he did. He said it was budgeted for like 60 days and he shot it in like 30 or 40 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, boom, boom, he's, boom, he's boom, boom, crazy man. efficient. Yeah, there's like a league of guys like him and Clint Eastwood and a couple other guys that just, whatever budget you give them, you'll get, you know, you'll do it for like 70%. You know, that's going to knock that shit. That's yeah. impressive. And that was through COVID. So they had a COVID yeah. shutdown, but he still was able to like knock it all out. Remember, this is the guy when they replaced Kevin Spacey for that one fucking movie. They had weeks, yeah. weeks to reshoot like 40% of the movie before it was hitting theaters. And they didn't miss the date. They, would, they would shoot for 12 hours and then they would send the footage to the editor. The editor would be up for 12 hours while they shoot the next 12 hours. Yeah unbelievable right the 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 level that uh, this yeah. guy's working on yeah he is an absolute horse dude yeah. And, yeah and yeah it was funny he was like yeah i'm already off the next movie he's doing is gucci he's like yeah i'm already i'm yeah, already working right. on gucci now and it's like whoa dude <laughs> so the, and that and was he's, the, eight, uh, he's fucking he's in his he's 80 years old he's like dude he's he's gonna he's gonna die in the chair man. he's gonna be yes in, he like, is directing yeah. a scene yeah. and he'll die and hopefully 100%. hopefully hopefully he'll be finished with the movie yeah, we right. Have the we, we won't have a fucking. <laughs> no, yeah. bro. You know what's gonna happen, right? <laughs> His fucking son's gonna finish the next movie. No. <laughs> you right. know what's gonna happen, dude? You're right. I'm telling you. Like, You're right. his son will just finish the movie. They'll be doing whatever. Um, yep. You know, whatever movie he's doing, Gladiator yeah. 2 or whatever the mm-hmm, fuck. And then mm-hmm, he's like, mm-hmm. well, unfortunately, Ridley passed, but his son was able to. But his son was able to finish. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah and Ridley also had four other movies in the works his son yeah. finished those too <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um this movie's fucking brilliant and again i've only seen yeah. like the final cut and the 4k final cut uh and the probably the director's cut before that the director's cut is pretty cut, good yeah. yeah um yeah and i'm just you know no need for voiceover. No need for no, the. No, no, no. Definitely no need. <laughs> yeah, no need for the shining ending with the two of them in the car driving no, wherever. No. Which even why did why didn't they just fly away in a fucking flying car? Come on, dude. Um, <laughs> because they had the shining footage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, man, is there anything else to be said about this movie? I, I don't know. I'm glad. I, I just want to say, I just want to say real quick, uh, I'm glad that this ended up being on your list and even so high up because we're able to talk about it because I feel like when I just talked about it, I was so overwhelmed with things I wanted to say about it. I didn't know what to say. And so this is kind of giving me a, a second chance to talk about how much I love this movie. I love Ridley Scott. He's yeah. one of my favorite, if not my favorite directors yeah. as, as, as a source of inspiration, certainly probably my favorite. So yeah, I, I love this movie. I adore this movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the cool thing too, is like, there's so much stuff like, again, just uh, the commentary track, there was stuff they couldn't even pull off. Uh, he wanted to do this one thing with that one uh, replicant that gets, gets killed. Like the, this, like the kind of dancer or prostitute or whatever. Yo, uh, yeah, want, yeah. 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 I remember yeah, they wanted to do this thing where she like transforms into a snake or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just didn't have the budget for it. And then like one of the guys was talking about like the scene where he, um, <clears throat> He, where he gets like the, the Chinese food, uh, they had yeah. they had they had created like this guy did this. Uh, he basically created a massive <laughs> design for what would have been a huge set for like a like a gigantic place for him to be getting his food, and you know <laughs> couldn't afford it, so he's wow. some Ricky Dink kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So and we. Also- we We've seen just surface level stuff of Uncle. I was just, yes, yeah. I think that's, if if nothing else, we can end it on that. We can say that, like, the movie on its own stands, and especially the final cut, 4K final cut, right? Like, masterpiece. But if you really want to dig into it, there is, like, there is, like, three or four Blade Runner's worth of, of, of stuff to uncover about this movie. I mean, there is so, like, the myth of it. And again, the, the, production and how the producers were constantly trying to fucking fire Ridley Scott and, and all of this stuff. It's, it's very fascinating stuff. I guess the last thing I'll say, so there's, um, there's a sex scene in this movie. That's like a little interesting. I'll put it that yeah, way. Um, sure. So I, I saw this movie, uh, I think at the Fox Oakland, like they, for some time were doing like, you know, they, they play old movies. For, yeah. Yeah. For yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I saw one of those for, yeah. for this movie too. And so <laughs> it was very interesting seeing that scene with a modern audience. Oh, really? Because, uh, oh, man, people were like, people, the awkward laughs were, oh, were ablaze. Fair. People sure. were like, yeah. um, Now, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Now, it was interesting. Uh, I saw, so Ridley, Ridley had some interesting things to say about that scene himself. He was like, he kind of goes, Wax is poetic about sex scenes, and he's like, "Well, you know, mm. I, if I if I need him, I you know, I yeah, take him, but I'm not evil. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly." Mm-hmm. And he was like, "This one was like, eh, that's basically what he said." <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one was like, like, "Eh," and he was like, yeah. "You know, I was trying to see if they're both comfortable," and it was like, "Eh." So, but you know, we got, we, yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> now, one of the best things, so Sean Young did like in the '80s, she did this uh, this interview, and it was actually really kind of like. Uh, I don't know, almost like made it sort of justified because she was like, you know, her, the character's a robot. She has no idea like how to do any of this stuff or like how to have sex or how to court someone or like how right, to deal yeah. with it. And so, yeah, basically she was saying like, that's why the character kind of, she freezes up. She, she doesn't freezes, know yeah. what to do. Yeah. She has yeah. no basis of, they didn't put that memory in her brain where she, you know, gets banged or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so like, well, she has just no idea. And, and so that kind of made, I was like, okay. So that kind of, I mean, I don't know if it removes the like that kind of, you know, the, the rapiness or whatever, but but maybe then you can at least like kind of see the psychology of like this, like the character wanted maybe wanted to like do this thing, but like didn't know how to articulate it. And so that what came out was this kind of robotic. Yeah. F- freezing <laughs> to for for me, I think it, it works. I mean, it, it's it's kind of 
it's clunky in that like it's again like watching it out of out of time is kind of funny but like it works for me because it all it all comes down to the kind of point of it is just like why do we even why is it even uncomfortable because like she's a she's a robot right so like there are sex robots like Westworld is pretty popular right now, you know, and they kind of go over the same thing. But like, that's why, like, I think the fact that it maybe makes us uncomfortable, I think works in the movie's favor. Cause it's just like, are we treating her as a person now? I guess the, she, the, why is it because she looks like a person and she talks like a person, you know, like, why can't we just look at her as a sex bot? Like, Oh, that's, is that wrong? I get that. Something inside me tells me that's wrong. Like, I think that works for the movie. That's yeah. how I see it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's definitely a talked about. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. I. It, but I think, yeah, it's like an accidental thing. They just like accidentally oh, sure. like made that scene. And I think for me, it it, it works in okay enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a brilliant film. And, uh, you know, I'll just, you know, again, like you said, like the tears in the rain scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, the opening is just so beautiful. Um, the way that they use the matte paintings and the miniatures and all this other yeah, stuff. All, all that stuff so brilliant just brilliant brilliant and it just looks it looks better than it just looks so futuristic and so much better than i'm telling yeah i'm i'm called to action to anybody who hasn't seen this and also if you have the means to see the 4k version looks better than uh 90 of the movies that are or as good as modern movies i mean it yeah. just looks it is just 100 there yeah 100 yeah yeah so that's my number three is blade runner cool Moving right along, we made it to top three. Uh, the the next two have already been on your list, so we don't have to spend too much time on them. I could just tell you why I love them. Uh, number three to me represents an attitude uh, that I identified with pretty early on. I don't think because of this movie, but certainly now we feel it. So my quote for this one is, listen up, maggots. You are not special. You are not a beautiful or unique snowflake. You are the same decaying organic matter as everything else. Fight Club, baby. Hell yeah. Number Fight three. Club. Yeah. Fight Club. You talked about last week or whenever we talked, uh, you talked about the Matrix and how you said, I, I, you remind me what you said. You said something like, there's some movies that just like bring something out of you or like it just, yeah, you, you, there's you a immediately. Certain feeling, yeah. There's a certain visceral reaction I have that's like, it, it brings out something. There's like a joy I've gotten from watching them that I've never experienced. Uh, yeah. The Matrix kind of, kind of, kind of like, it's just, yeah, just when I saw it, I saw it at the right time. It's sort of, you know, it's just like everything I'd ever want in a movie. Basically. Yeah, so that is that. Okay, everything I'd ever want in a movie. That's exactly how I felt about Fight Club the first time I saw it, and that's still how I feel about Fight Club because yeah. it's it's fun. It's I mean I don't know. It's 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 so it's dark. There's no, there's film noir elements to it, at least in the way that it's shot. It, it it piggybacks off of the game a little bit. David Fincher's previous movie. I mean, it's uh, it's a lot of what is it? I mean, really, it's concrete urban locations, and uh, I fucking love that shit. I eat it up. I eat it up. Num num num. Every single one of these movies in the top ten pretty much is like an urban movie. Um, I love it. It's it's mostly takes place at nighttime. It's mostly just degenerate characters, uh, people that are fucked by the system or are fucking with the system. Um, it's got a little bit of everything. Um, what I think the, the playfulness of this movie is kind of what stood out to me in the, the kind of energy that it has. It has like a very fuck you energy. Um, and even, yeah, very, and yeah. It, to the point where like, it, you know, it breaks the fourth wall constantly and he's talking mm -hmm. to you and he's talking to you about how like Tyler Durden, you know, he's the kind of guy who will splice a frame of porn into a kid's film and <laughs> kind of fuck with you, you know? And then, yeah. and that's a cigarette burn, by the way, boop, you know, like I love, I love, <laughs> 
Yeah, I love that shit. I love the 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 kind of like we don't even we're not even we're not even close to caring about like the quote unquote rules of like making a movie, right? We're just trying to make this as entertaining as possible. Um, and then of course on the other side of that, the first time I saw it, I, I was very young when I saw this movie. It was it made its TV debut in Romania and like. I don't know, 2002 or three or something like that. And in Romania, they would show movies completely uncensored. I mean, in, in Europe, they do mostly. There's no TV cut. There's just the movie and then there's commercials. So uh, we saw it then. And I think I was I was very young. I was like 12 years old or something when I saw this movie. And um, I didn't understand the thematic stuff. You know, the self-improvement is masturbation. The, the All of the overtly like the male kind the of anti-consumerist prim the, the, the primal yeah. scream of the male you know that kind of thing i didn't get that at the first time I've, of course i've seen this movie like a hundred times by now i saw it in a theater with with an audience and everything but um the plot twist fucking destroyed my little brain at the time mm. you know like i didn't realize that movies could do that because I, I i didn't get it i didn't pick up on it i didn't notice anything any of it i was just like he is Tyler Durden. Uh, and that's like a very 1999 thing. It's like this in the sixth sense and like other movies like that, where we're just like, Oh fuck. Like, Oh shit. Movies are, yeah. look at these plot, plot twists. Plot twists was like a big deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. 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 So anyways, um, right, I, <laughs> yeah, even the matrix is like, actually they're in a, I mean, the matrix is, well, we'll talk about it. So, um, yeah, I, I love it for it's like just unbridled machismo um brad pitt in this movie yeah like we Superstar. get it right he, he he's an he's an attractive man but like he is a movie star he's a movie star he's he the is definition a movie of a movie star, star. Yeah. and like he yeah. in this movie he really you know that's what he is he just carries this thing he carries this movie and he just yeah. like because you have to like to have a character where you're like yeah i'd join that <laughs> weirdo cult of guys fighting in a i would basement. dude if if brad pitt 1999 Brad Pitt asked me to hit him as hard as I could like I would <laughs> and um and I guess the last thing I want to say about this movie and like why it resonates with me so much is like the overabundant like disenfranchisement with the system and the overabundant like nihilism about everything like I like that scene where um he 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 does uh, the the chemical burn scene with um with yeah. Uh, with Edward Norton, where he's just like, you have to consider the possibility that God does not love you. You know, like he has that whole speech, and then um, Edward Norton's like, he's just like, so you need to like, please stop. You don't understand how this feels, you know. And then he shows him his burn, and he's yeah. just like, yeah, I do. So that that kind of like brotherly, ooh rah, like fuck it, you know, if the the world's yeah. gonna burn, then like we might as well just burn along with it, kind of an attitude. I, there's a lot about this movie that I love, and I, you know, maybe it's because I'm. A male but like i i love it a lot yeah i i it, it really speaks to me too like, it, yeah there's, there's so much about it that's like just so cool and like you know i just think it speaks to like wanting to unleash a, a, a level of frustration at modernity and like society where you're trapped in just all this bullshit i i feel no it out yeah i feel it yeah that's probably why yeah the modernity yeah, the modernity thing yeah because because it is it is completely all-encompassing and inescapable you cannot escape it it's just it's inevitable you're going to be stuck in this world um and it doesn't give a fuck about you if you feel like oh well you know i'm sad and i i feel unfulfilled it's like oh well whatever do people something. the people yeah the way people cope is they just they become you know they 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 consume or you overwork yourself or you, or you get depressed or whatever. Right. Uh, what I like about this movie is that it, it shows us it. That's the movie part of the movie for me. Like the wish fulfillment part of it is it shows us the, the alternate path, the alternate way, which is 
you could just tell your boss to fuck off. No one's going to do that in the real world. No, or, you know, like you, the, your assignment this week is to just pick a random fight with anyone, you know? And it's just like, you're never going to do that in real life. You're just not, you're not going to have the balls to do it or whatever. But the wish fulfillment of the movie is, you know, that scene where Edward Norton is like punching himself in his boss's office, you know, and he's just like, Oh my, help, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, this man he's is crazy. He's like, ah! yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So that, a there's awkward. There's that element to it too that that I find very fun. Yeah, so it works <laughs> on like a lot of it works on every level for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the combination of Edward Norton and Brad Pitt just excellent. Um, Perfect, right? What's the What's the guy's name? The guy who's a Mindhunter. Do you know that guy? That actor. Oh, name? I love he's that guy. Mm-hmm. I forget that guy, but he's he's a he's a standard bearer of. Uh, well, he's in both of these. That are both. Uh, yeah. He's also. He's. I'm, I'm not gonna mention some of Justice League. Uh, yeah. God, what is his fucking name? <laughs> I forget that guy's name, but yeah, he's he's in this movie, and he's and so then, good in this movie too. Yeah, yeah. A member. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so much. Oh, stuff I, about this oh I get it. In death, a member of Project Mayhem is remembered as, by, as a name. And his name. name. <laughs> Like they're just fucking dumb. Fucking men. Jared Leto's in this movie and he gets his ass beat and it's great. I felt like destroying something beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you say? There's like a voice where he's like, "You're so fucking pretty and fucking blonde." Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Oh no no no! Like when when Jared Leto shows up, he's like, "No, you're too you're too ugly." And then the other guy's like, "You're too fucking blonde. Go yeah, away." Yeah, yeah yeah that's right. That's what it is. Yeah yeah yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. And then, like, yeah, there's just so many. They're just, like you said, it's wish fulfillment. It's like that scene where they where they grab the dude in, they, in the bathroom and they're like, where they like, take a knife to him or something. He's like, you know, yeah. we, where are the people we, who. We are the, we are the guys who, you know, they, we wash your cars, we make your food, we watch your children, blah, blah, blah. We had like that kind of. Almost Don't like that fuck war- with us. Almost like that like, Warriors yeah. thing. You know, like we outnumber the cops four to one. If we really wanted to, we yeah, could can fucking own this city. You know, yeah, it's that same yeah. thing. And like, who wouldn't want to just blow up all the credit card companies, right? It, not in a literal way, but I mean, like in a metaphorical way, just like wipe it all away, right? Like everybody has that thought uh, of just like, why don't we just fucking throw this start whole thing over. away and start over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's start that's kind of introduce yeah. a little anarchy, as uh, the Joker says, to the established right. order. Right, right. right. <laughs> and again, it's it's a it's a played out thing now, but I think for when this movie was made, it, it could not have been. Like the, the Ikea scene, the Ikea catalog scene is like a perfect, like the Ikea nesting instinct, I think they call it in this movie. It's just like this, the perfect description of like the moment that we, we were Dude, in and we're still that, in. That great montage of like him filling his, his house with bullshit. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like this, this 360 degree shot that, you know, and they just keep pull it, putting in all of this like bullshit furniture. <laughs> but that's, that's a real thing. Like, yeah, that's sort of the way that our society kind of pushes us either you're gonna be, yeah. like buy stuff to make you happy with all the money you have yes and don't think about where it's made don't think about all the other problems it's made in china and you know maybe they are dictatorial regime that fucking has people in concentration again don't think about that don't think about that just consume <laughs> consume 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 yeah. or to be depressed and we'll sell you some drugs that'll maybe kind of alleviate a little right. bit of it but we don't really right. give a fuck. either uh, either way we're making money off it so yeah. whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this film just kind of nails that and and people are frustrated with that they're frustrated and they don't know what to do with that feeling you know yeah absolutely cool so yeah i love it fight, fight club. club number three hell yeah Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Numero dos, the top two. Holy shit. Here we go. All right. So this film is about a guy on a mission. <laughs> Terminate 
with extreme prejudice. Nice! <laughs> Apocalypse Now. Nice! The film that, not only is it a great film, but the story of the film is a great story. And a great yeah. film, actually. Yeah. This is a documentary. It's, 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 it's own Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so this film is unfucking believable I was waiting uh, for this to pop up, by the way. Like, we, you, yeah. you kept, like, hinting at it. You're just like, oh, fucking Apocalypse Now. And I'm like, where is it? <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this movie is, like, incredible because it, like, weaves so many kind of different things. And a lot of them are used to sort of get into the subjective state of Captain yes. Willard. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole beginning is just him aimlessly not able to basically cope with being out of the military. And he... Like the voiceover is so good. Talk about good voiceover. Yes. What do you say? He said something like, "Every day I'm 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 away from the war. Charlie's in the bush another day. And he's getting stronger. <laughs> it's just like you're fucked, dude. Your Holy brain shit, is yeah. fucked. And yeah, basically, man. they say, yeah, he he couldn't go back to his wife because he's too sucked into the war. I just I just love like how this film kind of shows how fucked up war, what fucked up shit war can do to you, just by showing the subjective state of these people who get like war brain. And that's pretty yeah. much what this, this film is about. There's two characters who both get totally sucked into the war. There's Willard and then Kurtz. Mm-hmm. And they sort of have a meeting of each other. And then there's sort of a philosophical battle of like mm-hmm. what to do with this feeling. Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. do when you like, we've gotten completely sucked in. Um, I don't know if the film totally resolves that in a way that's completely satisfying, but at least it posits that. And it's really interesting. Uh, because Willard and Kurtz, basically kind of the same. They both go yeah. cr- a little crazy. They're both kind of totally sucked into this war mentality. And for Kurtz, is like, I'm so into the war. I'm so deep into the shit that I, I'm the only one who knows how to win the war. <laughs> these fucking generals and these bureaucrats, they don't know what the fuck. I'm gonna, and he has that speech like, like, yeah, we went to this, this, uh, this, this, uh, this, this place and and uh, we gave them some vaccines and everyone was inoculated and so then we came back and like they chopped off all the arms of all the people that got inoculated and he was like man if only I had like ten men like that I'd win the whole yeah, I could war. win the whole fucking thing yeah and it's like whoa and yeah, yeah he's just like it's the will it's the willpower that's what matters it's like holy shit mm-hmm. um anyway I feel like this film is basically for me it feels like a lot of like a, a like <laughs> like a modern day adaptation of the Odyssey and yeah. and sure. Willard is pretty much uh, Odysseus. He's going yeah, he's on this through Odyssey. the shit. He's yeah. yeah, he's going on this Odyssey, and the deeper he goes down the river, continually the more crazy and subjective things get. It just gets more and more crazy and crazy. We see a little crazy, like in that scene with the uh, the Playboy, the Playgirl, yeah. or whatever, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, where like the fucking dudes jump into the water and they're trying to like get the girls. Like mm-hmm. we get a little bit. It's a little crazy. And then one of my favorite shots, it's such a great kind of, you know, you just see it and you just feel, it just feels weird. They're on the river and they're going and then there's a fucking plane that was downed. Yeah. And the way that the camera follows the, um, like the looking at the plane as it passes by it, you feel like you've gone somewhere else. You are in another, it's otherworldly. It's completely otherworldly. You are no longer in the real world. You are now going further and yeah, then yeah. that scene where they're uh, it's, it's like the bridge or whatever, or like the lung. Yeah, no, dam. I was going to I was going to I was going to talk about this scene when I think about I mean, there's so much to talk about Apocalypse now, but like it that that scene is it, so it's like total darkness. Right. 
he's just on the river and it's silent and then he just sees these light like almost like these fireworks and it's so surreal and it's It's not it's it's not surreal in like a you know bunuel way or anything it just it's so like for the situation it doesn't it doesn't make sense you know like the camera's not trying to trick you it's just like it's 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 just juxtaposed in a weird way and then he goes through you know the trenches and he's just like what the fuck is going on here and he's like tries to talk to one of the guys and he's like who's in charge here he's like uh, aren't are you in charge? I don't fucking know. Yeah. Nobody knows anything. Uh, yeah, you're like he's the highest. He's the highest ranking guy. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so and they're wild. just so they're so deep in the shit. Yeah, it's him and these black guys, and then yeah, like, I forget the name of the the guy that they have killed this dude who's out there. Uh, but then the black guy gets the uh the right the grenade launcher and he like blows him up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, yeah, man, I hear him. He's real close, man. <laughs> and, and then he asked, yeah, and then Willard asks the guy, you know who's in charge? He's like, yeah, man. He just fades away <laughs> into the darkness, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that that scene to me really feels again. That's why I bring up like the 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 Odyssey. It really feels like they're they're they've gone to hell. Like yeah. they've they're on the river sticks. <laughs> yeah, in hell, no, basically, going to meet Hades, basically. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's and because like there are people trying to swim on the boat, and yeah. they're like, we can't help you. And, and it's just it just feels like they're lost literally lost souls out in the water and it's just crazy to see a film that can take you there yeah and that's not even the end of this thing right not even that's, close that's the- <laughs> 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 and then we meet well well also what's his name is in this too um who's the guy who plays the the photographer journalist um we we're just oh. talking about him in blue velvet uh hopper dennis hopper yeah dennis hopper's in this movie yeah. he's totally crazy he's told yeah. and he shows up no oh, he's and- he's he's like at, at his peak like man you know yeah <laughs> it's crazy that scene is insane too when they show up at this what wherever you call this place. it's like a it's almost like its own little village or city or something yeah yeah it's like a village and like all the people are on the boats and they all kind of separate as they yeah. arrive and then the 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 stuff is the apocalypse now is there um, yeah. and they get brought in, um, and then I think right, Chef gets killed, right? Chef gets killed. Yeah. That happens, I think, a little earlier. Or no, 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 you're right. It's 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 in that. It's later. It's like yeah, because the then they they like yeah. call in the airstrike. So then they're mm-hmm. kind of cool with him, but then they call in the airstrike or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you fuck yeah. with me, I'm gonna cut your head off. And then he just like, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, they have all there's like speech some speeches by by Kurtz, and then um, yeah, you know, uh, he he they tie they tie Willard up, and then he's like, he just shows up. One day, one night, he's like just looking at him, and he plops Chef's head in his lap. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> he plops yeah. Chef's head right in his fucking lap, and he's like, ah! <laughs> he's like, oh my god. There's so many insanely insane scenes in this. And then yeah. on top of that, right? There's the ritual murder of this, the ritual killing of this, this, this uh, water buffalo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, juxtaposed to Willard killing Kurtz. Mm-hmm. After he like rises out of the water, yeah, just it's, it, and that shit. that moment that's one of those that's one of those like cinema moments that like yeah. he's 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 come he's he's on the other side now <laughs> you know he's he's I mean it's very you know it's very poetic in that way but um yeah what a what a fucking movie I don't know man it's, yeah it's, I mean it's almost too much to comprehend it yeah. really is like there's so much like you know people that almost died uh you know people that oh yeah you know like the shit that they had to go through with uh Marlon Brando, you know. Uh, yeah, that's a whole so like you said, it's like there's the movie and the like 18 million different cuts of it and then there's the story of of that movie and the the kind of personal hell 
that, you know, like, why would somebody do this to themselves to make a movie? I don't know, but this is what we get, you know? So again, uh, what's, what's the DP's name? Uh, we talked uh, about Vittorio Storaro. Storaro fucking kills it. I, 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 it's, it's <laughs> unimaginable to me. Like again, that shot of him coming up through the water or the shot again at night with the, with the, with the missiles, with the flares, launched, yeah. with the flares or sorry, the flares. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of it, the, 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 the helicopters, the fucking, the, yeah, Robert yeah we didn't even talk about the, the attack scene where yeah. they, they, they attacked this village. Um, yeah, that shit is fucking brilliant. I mean, that's, that shit is not only brilliant, it is so far ahead of its time. Like we, like in the seventies to do a war movie like that, like we, we do those kinds of action scenes now. And like, you know, we've got James Cameron in the helicopter to shoot the thing, but like not in 1975 or six or whenever the fuck they shot this, you know? <laughs> It's wild. Yeah, and yeah, that Robert Duvall character is just one of the great. He is the just. There's just, a lot of really good character. Like, 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 like you said, like the Odyssey kind of element to this is just like we meet one wacky guy and then we 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 move on. You know, we move on, and, then, <laughs> and, it, and yeah. it changes the it changes the main character. Every one of these encounters. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. I got a chance to see like the final cut in L.A. It's like some point, probably May 2019. Yeah, and, when that came uh, out. yeah, like when you know when Kurtz came out, like people were fucking laughing and and cheering, and then he has this great line, you know, some point this war's gonna end, and he just says it in a way where he's sad, yeah. like he's sad, yeah. it's like yeah. fuck, <laughs> and of course you know it smells like napalm. Uh, yeah. I love the smell. I was like napalm. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. It's the smell of victory. Jeez. <laughs> no, yeah, but this, this movie's incredible for me. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, and as far as like a movie about like for, of a subjective point of view of uh, like a, a true like uh, descent kind of into madness, um, one of the best. Uh, and we haven't you know touched upon like the sound design and the mixing and all of the song choices and how iconic everything is. I mean, this is this is like a movie. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it opens up the doors. This is the end, and then it's, yeah. it's just like, man, Walter Murch, like, gotta right. give him credit. Yeah, like, you, yeah, there's a because there's a lot of like, you know, the whole beginning is just like a montage and some uh, some voiceover. I love that that the, the just him in his hotel room, just losing his fucking mind, losing like, his I, fucking mind. I get it, yeah, and then he like looks up, like it's so brilliant. He looks up and he sees the ceiling fan. And it sounds like a fucking helicopter. Like, <laughs> 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 but he's so deep in the shit. He's so deep in it. That's brilliant. That's cinematic, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good example. Like we keep talking about all these like visual examples. That is a very good sound example of like a cinematic thing. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You, you cannot accomplish that in any other medium. Yeah. To just get that point across. You know that well, in that well, way. You could you could write it in a book, right? But like seeing it is different. Seeing it and hearing right. it is different because then you're in his head. Yeah, you feel yeah. like you're in his head, and you're like, "Holy yeah. shit!" <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's my number two. It's apocalypse. All right. Yeah. All right. Moving right along, then my number two. Um, shit, I don't really have a, a much of a quote for this one. I guess uh, ignorance is bliss. You know. Yeah, I, I choose to. I know the steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, yada 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 yada. Uh, it's the Matrix. My number two is the Matrix, yeah. and uh, we already talked about it. It was on. It was on your list. Um, the Matrix for me is one of those movies that is like more. It's it's very satisfying to me when like the idea 
the ideas and the concepts and the kind of thesis of the movie lives beyond the movie and it becomes more it takes out it takes on a life of its own and it becomes more interesting and it kind of gets you to learn things um and with the matrix the, the thing that frustrates me is that it has become such a pop culture thing that it's very easy to make fun of it's very easy to meme it's been memed to hell and back uh, the sequels don't help you know no they did not um but the matrix to me is an honest effort right it's it, we talked about it it's like a symbiosis of every goddamn thing that these guys were into right that the wachowskis were into at the time um and everything that makes a movie like a like a like a popcorn kind of a movie like you why do you go to a movie like it's it's more maybe of the of the tarantino philosophy of like why do you go why how do we get asses in seats we show them explosions and we show them fucking dudes with swords and we show them you know guns and, and kung stuff fu. kung fu right thank you kung fu bullet time dudes diving through the air shooting guns right like we get we get that but it's but it's all of these things and they all work together i think just again making all of these things work and make it not like stupid like this movie could be has the potential to be so fucking stupid <laughs> you know um but it's handled really 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 well and then again the idea is my one of my favorite things in that that exists about this movie is that um for the dvd commentary and then eventually the blu-ray uh the wachowskis opted not to do a commentary because they just th th that's just kind of how they are they're very they, they're private and they feel like we don't want to tell you what we think about this movie. We just want it to kind of speak for to, to, to generate the discussion on its, on its own. And so on the, on the D on the DVD, they have a discussion with movie critics that like the movie, a discussion with movie critics that hate the movie and a discussion with philosophers, like actual, like uh, people like who teach at universities about the, the, yeah. the kind of philosophical stuff. That philosopher commentary track is, is, is amazing yeah. so anyways so how it, it's it's impressive to me that you can have a again you want to elevate the b movie this is like three or four different kinds of b movies that are being elevated you know and there's this ongoing discussion we keep talking about blue pilled and bro are you red pilled i'm gonna fucking red pill you on this bro like it's in the culture now it's it's it is, in yeah. it. The simulation yeah. theory, you know, it's not like simulation yeah. theory didn't exist before this movie. But, but now really made us we fucking get it. Aware, like we talk yeah. about, like Spielberg showed us what D Day is like. The Matrix showed us what like computers, internet, simulation, the possibilities. Yeah, 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 yeah. So because we've all had that deja vu moment where we're like, is this real? I mean, especially the last like two years, last four oh years. God, yeah, right, right, like, right, right. Fuck, fuck. This, I mean, it, we. Yeah, it's like this movie and Fight Club in the same year is almost too much. It's almost like the universe like is barely held together because there's so so many. Especially because there was ideas. something about the year 2000. Like I, I don't yes. know if a lot of people totally get it, but like there was a lot of anxiety about. Yes. Yeah. There, there was a the conscious anxiety about change mm -hmm. that maybe I mean people thought the world could end basically, uh, or or that mm -hmm. there would be a collapse that we wouldn't you know be able to you know Recover. have our computers uh, yeah. you know work or whatever and like yeah y2k is like some kind of glitch that was gonna end the world was like a thing and all these things were kind of like different levels of talking about what could be the apocalyptic thing that we're coming towards in the matrix it's human race creates ai ai then consumes humanity literally yeah 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 <laughs> oh my god what a what a brilliant thing and i know that uh, 
I, 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 I don't remember specifically because I remember doing the deep dive on like every single influence. I don't remember exactly where they got that idea from. I think it was an illustration by a comic book artist that they that they liked a lot. But the idea of turning just the, the it's another one of those movie things. It's, it's it doesn't take a whole lot. But when you show Morpheus and he's like all of this to turn a human being into this and he holds up a Duracell yeah. like you fucking you get it. You instantly get like what what the whole kind of premise is and how fucked up, <laughs> you know, the, the situation is. It's really dark. You talk about cyberpunk, like when he wakes up yeah. out of the Matrix and he's in the fucking battery it factory. Is one of my favorite scenes in like any movie ever. That's yeah, that, I mean, that, specifically almost... that shot where like above where it like tilts down and he like looks down and it's like a farm of these pods and he's just one of the pods. Yeah, he looks to his left. There's a homie there. Mm-hmm. To his right, there's mm-hmm. another guy and they're just they're of like they're just plugged in Duracell battery yeah yeah it's almost like that's sort of like (laughs) you know another thing that doesn't in the matrix kind of universe doesn't really get talked about a lot just because it's sort of like a it's an undercurrent of it's it's an explanation for why there is this fake world this fake matrix world like well yeah we have you turn humans into a battery so you have to like sustain them by having a fake universe that they're they're in in their minds and they survive yeah 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 because their minds will wander mm-hmm. or whatever yeah yeah but but like that whole setup is like that is that is beyond a horror movie that is like really fucking crazy scary <laughs> no it's 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 crazy you know? and we me. almost it, never yeah. go there in terms of how crazy it is you know that's a very good point yeah that's funny um, well, cause that's yeah. another, that's a kind of a plot twisty thing, you know, is like, uh, when they were advertising this movie, they just kind of showed the matrix part of it. Like, yes. like Keanu Reeves is able to fucking run on walls and do crazy shit. Like, why come watch this crazy Kung Fu movie? And then, you know, he's bald for like half the movie. Right. And he has no eyebrows and you're like, what the fuck is this? You know? And he wakes up in that pod and it freaks a lot of people out. It's like gross. Like a lot of people that I watched this movie with, you know, back in the day, like they hadn't seen it before. Uh, they they were like really freaked out by that part. It's gooey. It's gross. It's a humans are gooey and gross, you know, uh, and they're harvesting us. That's kind of what what that would look like. He's got this like tube and he's like pulling it out of his yeah. mouth. and shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And the, just the way he emerges out of his little cocoon where he's like pushing that. out of it. Yeah. Yeah, and he because and he doesn't know how to he can't use his eyes. He's and 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 then and then that's when all the layers come in, and it's just like you know he's being born into the real world, and then uh, there's a lot of like stuff about religion and a lot of stuff about belief. You know, like you yeah. you are able to do this. Be, you know, he's beginning to believe like all of the all of this stuff in the movie. And I mean, again, it's very easy to make fun of it, and it's very it's like some of it is very corny, but. Uh, I don't know, man. If you really dig into, like, I don't know. If you choose to dig into it, it's like one of the most fulfilling oh, yeah. um, movies. Uh, any kind of experience, really, like art thing, you know. Absolutely. Uh, I really think so. Absolutely. I really. Believe it's kind of crazy, like you like that. There's this deep philosophy, and you get these fucking crazy kung fu fights. Yeah. And these yeah. gun shootouts, and it's like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, like only only someone like them would be like, I, we can have both. We can have the philosophy movie and the sort of the anime stuff, the manga stuff Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the Kung Fu action and the like, you know, dude on a fucking minigun blowing up. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) You can have all that in one movie. And that's the Matrix. It's like blows your mind. And man, I love the Matrix. I love the Matrix. Yeah, I love it, too. I love it, too. Yeah. So I think that's. 
I think that's a decent enough place to leave it. Um, obviously, I can talk about that. We can do a whole fucking thing about the Matrix, but like, yeah. I love it very much, and uh, I, I love that universe. I've 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 delved into all of the ex- external shit that they made for it. Um, I think it really it's really strong. Even if you ignore the sequels, this first movie is really 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 strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right, we're there. We've made it. Number wow. one, the number one movie. So my number one movie of all time. My favorite movie of all time, the movie I think is the greatest movie of all time, is The Godfather from 1972. Yes. Now, is this real quick before you get into into it? uh, Is this something that you've known was your favorite movie of all time, like forever, or is this something that you had to think about, or was it like easy, like you made this list and you're like, well, I know what number one is. So I would say that if you asked uh, like the teenage me, he would say, "Oh, I love The Matrix. The Matrix is the greatest movie ever. I love it." Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's that's what he would say. Um, and then he would say after that, he would say, "Yeah, Memento is the second best movie ever. It's like the most." Oh, because uh, yeah, the, the uh, so cerebral, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just you know, I just love, I just, I just love the whole machinations of that. I mean, again, sure. I still those those are in my top twenty. They are. I those am. are a little bit out of my top ten. Uh, but so yeah, The Godfather. The first time I saw it, I didn't love it. Um, mm. had a similar kind of. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, again, I think you know it, it. It's it's sort of like you gotta you gotta invest in the movie, and it doesn't yeah. you know it's not like these other movies like you know something like The Matrix where they just start you on the ground running and it's like boom yeah right you're deep in it <laughs> yeah no no, uh, no, no, this, no no you're you're hanging out at that wedding for like a while with this movie you're hanging out in the wedding and there's a lot of stuff that you're given you know that's that. It just has to hit hit you at the right time or like understand it. Like again, we talked about before when we talked about the Godfather. Uh that opening speech that the guy gives is like really I love America. Very, very poignant. And it's it works on so many levels because yeah. you know Dude, that, what that I, speech holds up, man. What I find so powerful about the Godfather is that it's sort of a perfect microcosm of a lot of Americanisms, things about America, a lot of experiences and a lot of the way that America works. Yeah, because the story is just the story of a guy who's an immigrant who then through his connections and his sort of, you know, his whatever gained political power that turned into financial wealth. And then from that, he gained respect and certain levels of credibility within society. So maybe there are people who don't like him, but they have to respect him because he has political power and economic power. And that's a story as American as anything. I mean, the Kennedys were the same way. Like yeah. the Kennedy dad was a guy doing all kinds of shit, made money, and then he sent his children out to become aristocrat, basically American aristocrats. Um, and that's for me, like it, it's so about what America is about. It's just about power and wielding it, and you know the political machinations and connections. And that's why this film is all. It's all about the legacy of this of this one person being moved to the next moved on Mm -hmm. from from Vito to Michael and Michael sort of you know he's given this you know basically he's presented this choice he can kind of back away like there's there's a story possibly where Michael just says okay I don't want to be a gangster I don't want to do this thing I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say hey I hope my dad doesn't die but I'm not gonna like try and get involved and their whole empire just collapses and then all these other people these other people like take yeah the vultures come in and they're just yeah, like, they all yeah. come in and they grab the power. Yeah. But he feels the, the urgency to like have to protect his family legacy. 
I hate that shit because it makes it, I mean, no, 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 no. What I mean is to say it makes it sound like it's all about family. And then people will use that to just dismiss like all of it. And like every gangster story, everything that you've said is like super on point, but like, it annoys me that like it can be summed up in that. And it's so cliche, but it's so much more than that. You know, it is so much more than that. Yeah. Um, Because like, you know, again, there's just so many like, beautiful and great memorable scenes you know uh the chopping off the horse's head right <laughs> the luca brasi um, murder yeah. is like one of the my favorite scenes yeah the luca brasi murder it's so crazy fucking it's brutal. crazy it comes out of nowhere and it's so visceral <laughs> yeah 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 um the the michael murder when he has to shoot shoot both mm-hmm. of them in the face mm-hmm. and you see him shoot the guy in the neck he's like <laughs> like, like it doesn't pull in no punch. there's I cannot think of of if we had to do like a top ten or top five like shots in a movie. My f- favorite shots that 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 shot of that slow push in on Michael when he's sitting down. He's not paying attention to what these guys are saying. The the L train in the background is getting louder and louder, and you're just watching. You're watching his, his the gears turning, and he's like, "I'm fucked. Like I have this is my life now. I have to do this. I'm I'm just gonna I have to do this. I love that. Yeah, yeah it's just so brilliant and like. I feel like the God. I like the Godfather the most of any film ever because I feel like the Godfather is the most like it, it's the perfect way that you could create a narrative film, pretty much. Like it mm. is, it is the template of what you can do yeah. on all levels, where you can make a uh, a film that has characters that are really deep, but are also like this film's basically a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like we're yeah. seeing a man, we're seeing a guy like hollow himself out so that he can, you know, have power. Mm-hmm. And we see a guy go from like being this like wide eyed, you know, yuppie dude yeah. to like being a fucking murderer who lies to his wife without even really blinking at all. Yeah. Um, but where, but like what's satisfying too, though, is, and again, why this goes back to like the, the this being sort of a very American story. Um, there's something about that that just like feels like it, it connects with the, the, the experience of the country. It like does. we 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 know that the people who actually hold power are the people like Michael Corleone. Yes. These people who have to make these types of decisions. Who <clears throat> he's a he's like the reluctant antihero. He's the reluctant villain, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is great. We see all these the reluctant heroes. Yeah, he's the reluctant villain, and he's like there has to be a Michael Corleone. There has to be me because yeah, someone has to well, because the system like, has the to keep has to keep going yeah 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 if not me then someone else and i don't want someone else to do it they i you know that kind of thing yeah yeah because then you have to see your family disintegrate that's the choice see your family disintegrate into nothing or become the villain (laughs) protect your father's legacy and kill these fucking you know it's not like these other people are you know good guys they're they're scummy evil people too no but they're all but they're all at the same level like they're so far yeah. they're so much higher than the like general populace you know uh, but it's fascinating to get involved in that i like what you said about how this movie is like america basically um and what really 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 does it for me is that you were saying how Vito is the story like the story of Vito is like this guy that just he has that thing whatever that thing is and he's able to ascend and through his connections through his doing stuff doing favors for people and kind of understanding that give and take uh he's able to gain this kind of uh renown and then political power and then ultimately wealth and that's kind of the story of how a lot of these s- systems are built in the first place but then for me it's enriched 
so much. And you were talking about the Kennedys and all these like dynasties of power. It's enriched for me very much by part two, where we see like what it what's the the climax of Vito's story in that movie is the murder is that he, he he his first kill kind of right and then from there like he kills kind of the robber baron in his neighborhood and then he takes over he becomes so like the in order to attain this blood has to be spilled basically is i think what the what the movies ultimately say like it there's no you cannot acquire this much wealth and power without stepping over someone and fucking people over and ultimately yeah. you know so and that's why you know the ending of this movie with the baptism is like i think kind of riffing on the same thing it's it's that's it's fucked up it's it's the human nature i guess i don't know yeah 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 i mean a lot can be said about this movie i just i just think that it's like michael corleone is is probably one of the best in film in american cinematic history he's probably one of the best characters uh ever put to screen just in, when you look at the arc of what he goes through and how he changes uh it's just so palpably powerful and um yeah and i, I yeah i just for me i just i just think of like it just feels like an american kind of story because like that that's so like that's always how it works it's like there's a new group of immigrants and mm-hmm, like right. shit and everyone hates them and then but then like they start getting power economic power political power and then there are these brokers, like people sort of hate it. Like again, like you said in the second movie, like there's that great scene with the politicians, like I hate you, fucking guineas, or blah blah blah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But it's, but it's like he has to kiss their ring because they have they have power. Because they, they have, have the power. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's their that's, turn. That's always how it is. This is always yeah. how it is. And you know, they're just different power brokers. Um, yeah. And and again, that's why you know the beginning is so perfectly. It encapsulates it, that. It sets this up so like, much. It does so like, yeah, much. Yeah. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I raised my daughter in the American way, and then this, the, the American, he fuck her, he just fuck her in the ass, and then, then they yeah. smile at me, and they like he, he suspended the scent. What the fuck? Yeah. I need you to kill them. <laughs> and and yeah, that's how America works. If you're an immigrant, they're gonna say, yeah. well, you got you got slapped by some white dude, well, or whatever. Like, I'm sorry, you know, mm-hmm. it's bad. We're gonna mm-hmm. suspend the sense. Um, mm-hmm. And then you see like what America is really about, right? It's, it's sort of about this sort of power structure, class structure, yeah. mixed with some racial stuff. And yeah, yeah. I mean, like to me, it just like totally encapsulates that on every level. Yeah, um, dude. But but there's so many great performances, right? You know. Yeah. Um, like almost, you know, there's like five or six or seven great performances. The bit roles are great. Um, there's so many memorable lines, you know. Take the gun, take, leave the cannoli. Take leave the cannoli. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, we yeah, both went the, to it immediately. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, gonna make him offer he can't refuse. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, it's just everything about this movie to me is just perfect and it just works. Yeah, I think the way that to, to sum it up the best would be like um, all of the memes and all of the, the cliches that like are spawned from this movie, it lives up to every single one of them. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it does. and that—that's you know. I can say that confidently. I can say that if you put this movie on and you really engage with it, like you said, you have to kind of you have to engage with it. Um, it delivers uh, everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Holy shit, man. We're we're done, huh? Well, yeah. We're at your number one. Yes, sir. Um, our number ones are actually very similar. Um, very very similar. Uh. In fact, uh, they're just mine has like a, a more psychotic bend to it because, of course, it does. But they're basically kind of the same story um, very much, actually. So uh, there's actually a line in this movie that says capitalism is getting fucked. Um, so <laughs> what am I talking about? I guess I'll, I'll open with, you know, me. I always tell the truth, even when I lie. 
So say goodnight to the bad guy. It's Scarface, baby. Fucking bad guy. Hell yeah. Number one Scarface. is Scarface. Um, the 1983 Oliver Stone, Brian De Palma, Scarface. Um, but it's basically, you know, it's 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 so it's an epic. It's a three-hour epic about an immigrant who comes to the U.S. and he starts out as a fucking busboy, um, in like a rinky-dink, like uh, you know, corner. Like yeah. you know, taco stand or well, whatever. He's also he's also uh, they, well, they the setup is like he's the fucking refugee who got kicked out. Political by refugee. Castro. Yeah, he's in this yeah. this refugee camp and then he does a murder. So the Castro shit, I love the Castro shit because that is in that's invented. It's put in there by Oliver Stone because if you know anything about Oliver Stone, and uh, unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of time. Uh, ironically, uh, throughout this list, <laughs> or I didn't include him enough, but a lot of like Oliver Stone's stuff is like very kind of political and like he's trying to push those buttons. So he puts the the Castro, the Cuba stuff in there because it's 1983 or I think it's like 1980 or 81 when they were shooting this. Um, and that's very much at the forefront. So Cuban immigrants, especially in Florida and and in um, refugees are, are like right at the forefront. So how do you adapt a film noir, right, about gangsters um, and you make it about you make it about all these like weird like current day politics and fucking cocaine and like drug wars that are happening. It's a it's a stroke of genius, I think. And yes. the and the other half of that is the direction of it, which is you just take one of the most unhinged motherfuckers uh, making movies and you just let you he just unhinges even more. Like I think this is one of the most stylistically like uh, blow your load kind of a movie. Uh, where just they just throw everything at the wall with this movie. Um, you know the violence, the cursing, the set pieces, the the cocaine, the, Pacino, the, the cocaine. cocaine. Yeah, the Al Pacino, right? The Al Pacino performance. Uh, if you were to take Michael Corleone and just like fucking the negative, right? The the picture, the, the, the like film negative version of him. The one hundred and eighty degree turn is this is this performance. Yeah, his shadow self. <laughs> his shadow self, right? Yeah, um, it's great, man. I so I love this movie so much because it kind of has all the elements of like every other movie that I've really like loved that I've talked about on this list.